1: Shit is popping off! It is brother date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Like really, it's about to get wild and, and woolly in here.
0: Wo- it's about to get. I want to say fat and nasty. Ooh,
1: it's getting. It's gonna get. It's gonna get heavy, and it's also gonna get expensive those are my I'm gonna change, the two words I'm going to change
0: parts of speech it's going to get beans and cornbread
1: oh that means and cornbread let's fucking get into it what week is this for star trek project 26
0: this is week number 26 Ooh. um so we've watched uh you know a years worth of these if we'd done them every two weeks and frankly we're not too far off we could look up when the first one was but We haven't missed too many.
1: I think it was sometime like last September, October, something like that. We're pretty close. Right, 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 right.
0: And only one of these shows is still in
1: season one, and it's because they had comically long seasons back then.
0: That's right. Everything else has moved on to season two um, with this week. Um, So let's jump in. Uh, We are still in season one of the original series, because this week we watched Errand of Mercy...
1: It's war, dog. War. They find out in the teaser that shit is breaking down between them and the Klingon Empire, and just as they are talking about it, a Klingon ship comes out of nowhere and snore. There's a disruptor blast! And and they, they gotta fight this Klingon off, and they damage it, and it flies away, and, and then they hear oh no, war has been de- declared. It's official. And uh, But they're at this Organian planet. Organian? Organian? organian and yeah. uh they gotta make sure the Klingons don't use this place as a base because it's it's in a real crucial location astrologically speaking, right it's the only
0: it's... class M planet in the disputed area,
1: and also when when Jupiter is in matrimony <laughs> with the moon then they for- okay um <laughs> So they go down to this planet to convince these dudes that they gotta get ready for Klingons because they're coming and they're gonna have to fight them off, even though there's no reason to believe that these guys have any interest in that. And the first several sentences out of their mouths confirms that they have no interest in that. So Kirk's like, "Hey, uh, let's fight off these Klingons together. You can be part of the Federation. It's gonna be glorious." And they're like, "Nah, we're good. Like we're we're all right. We're not in any danger. You can go away now. In fact, you should probably go away really really quick." And then uh, all the Klingons arrive, and they're, they're led by a dude named Kor, who's, uh, you know, kind of erudite and um, kind of slick. It's like a slick Klingon. Yep, he's in charge. And he leads the occupation forces, and they go down there, and they do some... Uh, they don't do a lot of real brutality, but they declare a lot of brutality. Like, hey, these are the rules. If you don't follow them, you all get killed. You kill one of us. We kill, like, uh, I don't know, 10 million of you guys. I don't remember what he said.
0: It's a thousand to one, but this, he's still seen, He, you're right, that he seems more intent on convincing them that he will be brutal,
1: yeah, he's,
0: than on actually doing any brutality. He's like,
1: hey, for real, we are, the we're terrible, welcome to the Terror Dome, that's what he says he, to them.
0: He's gotta sit in his office and look at printouts, so. <laughs> that's right.
1: And we come to he, learn he, later. He doesn't
0: have time to be killing people, because, unless he has to. We
1: come to learn later that he's basically in middle management, and there are people watching him too, and so he's, you know, shit rolls downhill, so he's gotta hit his numbers, and. Yep. He's telling all them they gotta hit their numbers. Anyway, that um, the way. so, uh, because Kirk and Spock are there and it's too late to be back, back up to Enterprise because a Klingon fleet has arrived, they have to pose as villagers on this dumb old backward planet that apparently hasn't made any progress in the fucking thousands of years or whatever.
0: I mean, Kirk does. It doesn't even occur to them to just put the hood up on Spock's thing that has a hood on it.
1: It doesn't occur to them to pull a Star Trek four and just put a like a,
0: just tie a headband. headband around him. Yeah, Yeah,
1: they go, oh, you play a Vulcan. Because that's really the best way to do this. You're a Vulcan merchant. Uh, Kor uh, thinks Kirk is the only guy on this planet worth a damn, even though he thinks he's just another Organian villager, because Kirk hates his guts and keeps staring daggers at him.
0: A ram among the sheep, he calls him.
1: Yeah, so he wants to be friends with Kirk and make him the liaison or whatever. But it really doesn't last that long before they figure out that he's a spy.
0: Well, no, because Kirk and Spock immediately blow up a munitions depot. Yeah, they. Will. I mean, just instantaneously. The,
1: so the whole time the Organians are like, "Look, we don't want to fight anything. All right, let's just have peace. We're gonna do what we can to make this peaceful. Don't ruin this for us." And like first night, Kirk and Spock are like, "We're getting up to some shit. We're gonna go make some explosions
0: happen. We're and gonna as do always, judo Spock chops." Is, is way down.
1: And Spock, yeah, Spock is like, "This is very logical. I think we should do as much killing as possible for logical reasons."
0: Captain, have you considered? murder.
1: And then they get in there, and you're right, they make a real old mess of things, so yeah, they are found out pretty quickly. The Klingons got these things called Mind Rippers, which I guess is some kind of interrogation technique that absolutely does not work on Spock, but that they keep threatening to use on Kirk. Anyway, they don't need it, because they just... Even they
0: used Force 4 on him. Even though they
1: went all the way up to Force 4. It's unclear whether there is a Force 5, but they all feel that Force 4 should have been adequate. Yep. Uh... Yeah, so they just give up the game. They're, you know, they're like... What, what is Kor, he's got a listening device or something in the room?
0: He put a little he put a little camera in the conference, in, a, the, in the council room. He
1: put a camera in the council room, so when they're uh, begging these Organians to commit murders with them, he just walks in and he's like, oh, you, now I know you're you're Starfleet. And even worse, he finds out it's Captain Kirk, which for some reason means something to the Klingons. And he is real excited to get his hands on Kirk. Uh, but, you know, then Kirk and Spock commando their way out of jail, and they f- fucking... They well, go. They go. I mean, they
0: definitely don't, right?
1: Oh, because dude comes and lets them out? Y-
0: you remember that uh, Aelborn, who is, which is not an elf from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> it is the name of the counselor, just comes and lets them out. He lets and them out. Like, hey, where are all the guards? And he's like, look, let's just get out of here. And then they're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> well, they go straight, We'll drop
1: it. They go to Kor's office, and they uh, they kidnap Kor, but that's when he reveals he's got cameras in there watching him. So then the Klingons come in to save him, and every time they try to fight, they can't because their weapons are really hot to the touch. They're, like, microwaved. And um, the Organians come in and reveal they got all kinds of magic powers. They got every magic power, Mm -hmm. and they want them to have peace, so they're not going to let them have a war. They they don't want to do it. They don't like interfering, but they've decided they're putting their foot down. No war today. So deal with that. And Kirk and Kor like fuck you. We want to kill each other. And then, uh, you know, they all have to leave the planet and leave the area because they can't kill each other there. And um, and Kirk says something in the end about how lucky it is that they uh, they weren't allowed to murder each other. Is that it? That's it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's all. You. That's all the basics. Okay. You hit them all.
1: What was it about?
0: Okay. So. As long as soldiers have any choice, have any say in the matter, there will be war.
1: Mm. So, is this like an anti-military establishment kind of thing?
0: I guess so. Okay. It feels cynical. It's important to remember this was in the middle of Vietnam. Yep. Um. Yeah, late 60s. Obviously, this is, a, this is all some Cold War activity, right? Two yeah. big powers are trying to win over a small power into their sphere of influence, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, the the reason that it is about this is because um, when they prevent Kirk and Kor from fighting they're both super pissed about it they're not happy and they're, they're like what right do you have to tell us how to do blah 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 even blah, though we all. came
1: here and we both were giving you demands about what you have to do how dare you exactly how dare yeah, you right, right, right.
0: we want we want to kill each other etc it's
1: like if Czechoslovakia had just suddenly been like no you're not allowed to fight and use magic powers during yeah. the Cold War then people would have been like man fuck you Czechoslovakia
0: we got the right to kill each other mhm um, what's it worth? So, I mean, it's a fi- So I gave it a five. Okay. So what would have been a better version of this? What What would you have preferred? So, well, first of all, a better version of this to me is always Kirk realizes this on his own instead of has it imposed upon him.
1: Yeah, he really by um,
0: an outside powerful force. So he may. So to,
1: it's like I think we're as the ship is leaving. I think maybe we are left. Like he has maybe got the inkling of what is going on. Like yeah, he's as they're he's leaving, embarrassed. Yeah, right? he's like whoops. He
0: tells he's embarrassed about how bloodthirsty he was down there, etc. Right. Here's the thing: three <coughs> episodes ago, Kirk was the Organians and Anon 7 and his unseen enemy mm-hmm. were him and the Klingons, and he blew them up. And he told him, "Yes, we're killers, but all we all we can do is say we're not going to kill today." Mm-hmm. Then he forgot all of that. He got that fucking code one fleet wide alert from Starfleet, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Now killing is the only thing I love." <laughs> That's right. Yep. I hate I hate all Klingons, and killing is all I love.
1: In the future, you will kill my son, you Klingon bastard.
0: So. <laughs> If this had happened, or like, he fights the Gorn, right? Yeah. And then he's like, no, I won't do it. (laughs) Right. I won't kill you. Yeah. Another version of this was... And then another energy being appears, and he's like, you have shown the advanced trait of mercy. Check out my sandals! Do you want me to kill all the Gorns for you? And he's like, no, nope, not that either. (laughs) And then the guy's like, cool, that was a test. This was all a test, yeah, yeah. And you were being tested, and you passed the test. You did
1: well, and I also did well.
0: I am Baylock.
1: Yeah. Um. And oh, by the way, another version of this was last week when he should have been blinded with rage against that Pizza the Hut monster for killing all those correct. miners, but instead yep. he comes to a quiet truce with it.
0: So, so it's not there's there's nothing wrong with the premise because the idea that people who are in the military may talk. About peace, hmm. but really they train to fight and they want to fight. And Kirk says that the Federation spent a lot of money on their training in this, which is <laughs> wild. But that's fine. Oh, I have so many. economics. Federation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but when if the if it is something is imposed from an outside power and doesn't and the realization doesn't come from within, then there is no evidence that Kirk learned anything. Yeah. And then what was this all about?
1: that's fair i mean a lot of that sounds like like are the organians
0: but... supposed to be the united nations like the the parallel really breaks down yeah
1: yeah so i had a i had a version of that i the version i had was um, the usa and russia slash china are more alike than they wish to believe mainly accounting to their uh, for their pre- or, sorry accounting to their propensity for conflict and violence so i was just saying they're just saying usa and russia do this to people all the time
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that is definitely the case, right? That's what they're doing here.
1: Yeah, and that actually, they're, they're fighting for dumb reasons, and they're really the same people.
0: Yes, and they put that... Here's the thing about this. They put all of that in Kor's mouth in this episode. Yeah. Kirk at no point is like, you and I understand each other. Yep, they're both mad at the Organians, and Kor obviously has a big boner for Kirk, just like, uh, just like Mark Leonard's character. Yeah, well,
1: I don't know if anybody has ever in, uh, loved of Terror, someone as where much as just that had Long
0: soliloquies about how much he loved Kirk. <laughs> My nemesis is
1: so beautiful.
0: Um, but, so, but, but when they put that in Core in Core's mouth, it's like, and he he even says. So he talks about how they're like, and then Kirk's like, "Fuck you, we're a democracy." And then Core's like, "I'm not talking about minor ideological differences. That's right. <laughs> I'm, we're, we're the, this is a planet of sheep, and we're the two tigers on it. Right. You know. Uh, when you put it in Kor's mouth, are we, like, how are we supposed to take it?
1: Yeah. One that Kor is more aware than Kirk, but also is more of a douche because he doesn't care. Like it's hard. Uh, it's hard, it's yes. not clear. It's like he is clearly more self aware, but also has just decided to keep going with it.
0: Yes, there is something there, right? Yeah. Like anyway, um, what is this take worth to you? I thought this was. I a, mean, a strong... your take is just the just the words "cold war," right?
1: Yes, I thought this was a strong cold war take in the sixties. Yes, and probably a worthy task for a sci fi project to take on. Yeah. at the time, I and mean,
0: that's why I gave it as much as five, is yeah. because this is the kind of thing that is uh, is not talked about openly and is this is what science fiction is for.
1: Yeah. So I gave it a 7. I thought it was strong.
0: Okay. And um, execution-wise, well, how did you feel this episode went? At
1: first, when you're supposed to think these are some weird old villagers, though they start to show some weird powers. As usual, what happened is the Starfleet crew is very dumb and it takes them a long time to figure out what the viewer knows <laughs> almost right away. Yep. You're supposed to go, Oh, these are cool villagers but like in scene one in the council chambers the guy is having some visions in there.
0: Boy, I hope there are no other slow thinkers this week. <laughs> he's
1: like he's and they're going, The Klingons have arrived and the Kirk's like, How does he know that? And he's like, Oh, they brought eight ships And it's just mm-hmm. like the guy's They're using seer. their matter
0: transmission devices. Yeah, like, that's a normal thing for a Stone Age villager to say. They have
1: no clue until the end of the episode.
0: Yeah, they, in fact, they don't even figure it out themselves. It's
1: nonsense. Um, But anyway, for that brief instant where you're going, oh, these are some villagers. This is a good take to have on this. These villagers are stuck in between, right? They, they gotta right. deal with these fucking assholes coming and ruining their shit. Like, that's gonna be a pretty good that's a good way to handle that. This is the much worse way—the way where these guys have superpowers.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly, um, exactly.
1: So I, I you know, I, I wanted to root for it, but couldn't on that account. Um, let's see. Um, but then, oh yeah, because So if they'd done it the way that I wanted with the villagers, then they couldn't have had the part where the writers talk down to everybody about the Cold War. Well, so they, that's, that's exactly it, it. right? Um. Are we supposed to believe these Organians waited so long to stop them because they don't like interfering in people's shit? And not because they read the script?
0: Well, (laughs) it's a good question. Listen, here is the thing. I think these guys have some ability to see the future, too. Or they're just pulling some horse shit out of their their pants when they say that in the future, the Federation and the Klingons will be allies.
1: I just, I don't understand why they had to wait 50 minutes for this. But, I mean, I, I know why. I guess I know why.
0: Uh, Anyway, I thought it was... They've had a copy of the script.
1: I thought it was very uneven, but it was true that they depicted Starfleet and the Klingon Empire as as these Cold War powers that are just going to dick around in everybody's shit in their own selfish struggle. So I thought it was fine. I gave it a five.
0: Uh, It is 100% true what you say, by the way, even to the point when Spock comes back and he's like, like, these guys, there's no evidence that they've made any progress in their society in the last couple of thousand years. They're totally stagnant. And Kirk immediately switches tacks from, we're going to protect you to, oh, we're going to give you schools and teach you agricultural improvements, and we're going to lift you up with us.
1: All of the things that... All
0: you have to do is let us do it.
1: He says all the things that would make Picard so unhappy. Yep, exactly. Uh, So
0: they really did... uh, They did a fair job of showing that off, but the basic premise is completely ruined by the fact that the guys have powers. But um, (laughs) the major flaw in this episode is that last week, Spock saw party balloons on a guy's desk and knew (laughs) that a monster that had killed 53 men was an intelligent creature protecting its children and also a totally new form of life. Uh But this week, Kirk and Spock are the two stupidest men in the galaxy.
1: They're, They're so crazy dumb in this episode.
0: They're just like... In Squire of Gothos, they go down there, and they're like, he keeps looking at that mirror. Yeah. I bet you his, he's got a fucking device behind that mirror that's doing these tricks.
1: There's a robot in there. Spock says 20 minutes in, and you go,
0: huh? In Return of the Archons, they both have figured out that Lander is a computer very early on. Yeah. And to the point where they don't even really say it to each other. They, they're just, they just like, uh, I think we have this, I feel like we've reached the same conclusion. And then, and then 20 minutes later. They're like, yeah, it was a computer after all. <laughs> Right. Right. Uh, in this one, they are like, he's like, hey, my friend, um, my friend, what's his name? is very intuitive. That's Voldemort, my friend ate- Voldemort. That's how he knows that eight space vessels have entered entered standard orbit. And also, he knows what that means, because he's intuitive. (laughs) He knows what a spaceship is, and that you guys are from space. He knows that there are eight of them up there, and that they have matter transmission devices, and that they're beaming hundreds of soldiers into the town square.
1: Yeah, all of this he knows because of intuition. He's
0: very intuitive, and uh, Kirk and Spock are like, I don't have time for thinking about this.
1: Literally, that's how they act. They're just like, I'm not even worried about what you just said. I have something to say. Please listen I to the thing I decided before I
0: came down here that you guys were a, a grade D minus in the technological <laughs> scale. And so nothing you say actually matters. I just want to get you to say yes.
1: In fact, they're pulling the coach at halftime routine. They're answering the questions that they have prepared to answer. Exactly. They're not And the other in responding.
0: And then the other thing, boy, that's exactly what they're doing. Except that except that the, they don't they also don't even care that they're not being asked questions. That's right.
1: So actually Um, what they're doing is like a Mike Gundy press conference at Oklahoma State, where he's just, it's just a long rant.
0: It's just talking points, and he's going to get through them all, and it doesn't matter if you care. Um, And the other thing I didn't like about this is that at the end, the Organians have theoretically appeared on Earth and on, uh, let's say, Kling. They haven't made it clear yet what the Klingon, this is the first time we've ever heard of the Klingon.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that in world building, yeah. Uh,
0: And declared this peace treaty. Uh, and then he... I guess the Organians do to the Enterprise what the Enterprise does to everybody else because the next thing we know, the Enterprise is just flying away and we haven't learned one goddamn thing about what's going to happen with the Klingons. Yep. Like, all right, we're not allowed to make war. It's... What happens now? How do we proceed now? Not a fucking thing. It's
1: to be continued in the same way that their struggle with the Romulans is to be continued. Yep. It's just like, I don't know, that was a weird adventure. Guess we'll uh, find out later.
0: So, like you... Despite the fact that they are doing a science fiction here, Mm. uh, I felt like they really left a lot on the table. Yeah. And uh, I I gave it a four in execution. Okay.
1: So I'm a little bit more bullish on this one so far.
0: A little bit. You're a little bit more bullish. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about world building. Okay. So we have, in this episode, we have some kind of automated fleet-wide war signal that went out. Yep. There have been some negotiations, and there is at least gossip that circulates throughout the federation that they're not going well. Right. At one point Kirk says that he and Spock guessed correctly that the <laughs> yes. negotiations were going to break down.
1: Now, it's is my quick hitters, but when Kirk opens by saying that they've both, both guessed right, he's overcompensating, right? Like yes. he did not guess right, but he doesn't want to let on.
0: <laughs> yep, that's right. Spock Spock correctly predicted this <laughs> yeah. and he has to acknowledge it. We uh we
1: both we both got it right on the head. The thing that we both yeah, we, said happened.
0: No, it's exact, just as we said. <laughs> um, uh, the Klingons, um, are a military dictatorship, right? We know they have some kind of technological scale that they rate people based on.
1: That's true. Yeah. Uh,
0: we know that Vulcan merchants are not uncommon.
1: But then also, what is the economy?
0: Uh, exactly. How does it work? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's the, uh, the whole mind sifter. Yep. Yeah. And, um, more evolution from, uh, humanoids to energy beings. Yeah. We never see, one thing that I would have loved to see was the size of the fleet that responded.
1: Yeah, all you ever see is Sulu on the bridge. Yep. It's not helpful for us to figure out what is the Starfleet.
0: We know the Klingons can muster at least eight ships. Yeah. And I think they destroyed that first one.
1: I couldn't tell whether it was destroyed or just driven away. I couldn't it tell. seems
0: to be destroyed. They confirmed that it's destroyed. And then nothing. Co- I was like waiting later to learn that it was just damaged, but it could cloak or something. And that that was really core ship. But no, it just doesn't come up again. Hmm. Okay. So I think we're supposed to believe that that first ship was destroyed. But wow. nothing about the size of the Federation fleet, which would have been interesting. So um, all told, and we didn't really get much about the Klingons.
1: No, we got more about Core. I think
0: we got a lot about Core. <laughs> yeah, and Kor's vision of the galaxy and his weird social Darwinism that uh-huh. he uh, that, that makes him admire to, to his enemies as long as they're cool. That's right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I mean, it's a, it's still a four because there's still, there's still stuff happening here. Yeah. With the Clegons, but it's and I of course I couldn't this one and another episode this week. At first I thought, oh, that's big, and then I thought, well, but we don't know that it's big yet, and they've let us down before.
1: Exactly correct. There's no reason to necessarily believe, based on this episode, that they meant anything to happen with the Klingons at
0: all. So I think just based on uh, what we see here today, I've I've got it at a four for world building.
1: I agreed, I had it at a four. Uh, I have, is this the first mention of Klingons? Uh, Damage control report to first officer, does that mean Spock, who's normally referred to as the science officer?
0: And he is also the first officer.
1: I just wasn't sure whether or not they had clarified that before. And we have
0: have learned a lot of minutiae, but we don't know yet if the science officer is always the first officer, if those two positions are in a personal union under Spock,
1: or... Right. Has he unified the Belts? So what what mean? Ha- exactly.
0: Yes, he's <laughs> yes. That's right. I wasn't doing anything about monarchies. I was doing wrestling.
1: Thank you. The monarchy yeah, of is, the 20th and 21st century. He's centuries. the
0: inter. He's the intercontinental champion. Also, that's right. Uh,
1: let's see the position of Organia in uh, in this part of the galaxy. Their arrested culture. Oh wait, that doesn't hold up. Uh, they look like humans, but it seems like they can decide to look what like whatever they want. Well,
0: I mean, he he talks about. The uh, he talks about a textbook arrested yeah. culture. So clearly, this is not the first such thing they've encountered. Right? They have some. They have some classification schema for this.
1: Vulcan merchants not uncommon. What is the economy? Klingon mind rippers. Not sure how a sonic grenade is supposed to work. Uh, it sounds like it would just be loud, but it blows it stuff up. It seems to be
0: just a, just an actual grenade, Looked like a regular space. ass grenade. Um, it's more of like it just a concussion grenade or something.
1: Neck Pinch works on Klingons, just in case. I think it's worked on everyone so far. Uh, The Organians claim to be able to see a future where Klingons and Federation are allies. That is not necessarily world-building yet. Finally, the secret of the Organians is revealed. The Klingon state and structure definitely seem different in the 23rd century versus the 24th. Everybody acting as one unit and under surveillance is much more of a uh, dictatorial state. The Klingons of the next generation are more like um, just random houses kind of doing whatever they want, but we don't really know much about that when this episode's made. I
0: gave it a four as well. Um, And how did you feel the characterization in this episode went?
1: Kirk and Spock are both very chill under fire, as well as the prospect of war in the first scene. Uh, They're both just like calmly reading out these things as giant space war is declared, and as they're (laughs) blowing up another ship. Kirk refers to himself as a soldier and not a diplomat. While that would explain some things, (laughs) that's very much not his job on this ship or in this fleet, as far as we
0: can tell. It hasn't been so far, at least, in the first 26 episodes.
1: Uh, Kirk is completely incapable of being cool during this occupation. Um, Threatens to kill this old dude if he doesn't hand over their phasers. Yep. Spock handles it much more logically, which is in character, also in character going along with every plan of action Kirk comes up with. <laughs> um, and they're really the only two in this episode. Sulu uh, is in command on the Enterprise but doesn't get up to much.
0: We never see it up there. He never has a moment where he stands down Ambassador Fox or Yeah, he doesn't do anything. He's not Jordy up there trying to deal with the rest of the people in command and Arsenal of Freedom or whatever.
1: Um, I thought this was v- very much so I think you're right that it walks back Kirk in terms of his eagerness for war, but in terms of just completely being unable to be cool and just being action Kirk and Spock <laughs> just going along with it, I think it was pretty much in line. I give it a 4.
0: Um yeah, uh we're we're in the ballpark. So Kirk is too warlike and Spock is too dimwitted. Both of those are for plot reasons. Yeah. Um but I actually gave it a 5 uh and most of that is cuz I really liked Core
1: yeah. Gore's cool. Do, are we allowed to count him? I don't even know how it mm, works.
0: I mean, there are only three people in this episode, so okay. why not? That's fair. I guess a- Aelborn is in there too, but like... That guy was nothing. He is deliberately being nothing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, overall, for such a small episode that takes place in one set, it's... Uh, I-, I didn't... I mean, it's... Nothing is weird here. It's just Star Trek. It is so, just Star Trek. This is a very Star Trek-y Star Trek. It's fish balls. It's fish balls. <laughs> it, that's exactly what I was going to say, Matt. It's <laughs> fish balls. <clears throat> All right. Well, so I'm uh got some aside quicks? from from the things you said. I uh, I thought a couple of things were interesting. Um, they they do that great thing where they give some examples. So mm. Kirk says that Organia is another Armenia, Belgium. Yeah. The weak innocents always seem to be along the invasion path. Right. Um, The Klingon makeup was much more pathetic than I remembered. I knew
1: it was bad. Yeah, it's just straight some brown, right?
0: It is unevenly applied tan shoe polish. (laughs) And then Kor has a mustache, but many of the regular Klingons don't.
1: Yeah, he, and he's really... Uh, when I was watching it, I was like, are they are they supposed to be, like, Asiatic? Is that what we're going for? Because I don't, that is I a don't real know. fucking Fu Manchu. I honestly
0: got. don't know if they're trying for anything. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to tell. They just found some gold lame fabric and they were like, well, fuck it. This is it. <laughs> uh, I thought there was some great sarcastic gesturing from Kirk when he leaves the council room the first time. Yep, he does that greeting gesture or whatever. Yeah, uh, to uh, to Ailborn as he's leaving the kind
1: of weird double take greeting that they always do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. They uh for all of their murder talk, Kirk and Spock do put their phasers on stun when they go on their big raid.
1: I couldn't. I I wasn't sure about that. I, I get so they said they put it on stun.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because I knew they were he blasting they dudes left and right. Put it on stun right. because they wanted they wanted to get the big dog, not the members of the pack. Wow.
1: Nothing they, yeah, do, make, nothing they do makes any sense tortured. in this that's episode. A little tormented
0: <laughs> analogy there.
1: But like, are you trying to raise a violent rebellion or like I'm trying to, I guess I can't figure out what they're even trying to do anymore.
0: Uh, well, they don't know. Yeah. I think they just think that the Enterprise is not coming back for them, and they're just going to go out fighting.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, the main points have all been hit in this episode. It, everyone is very dumb. <laughs> I gave uh, Best Actor to Kor, and I gave uh, Worst Actor to uh, Trefoil, or whatever the third Organian was called. One of those guys was not up to par.
1: Was he the one who didn't even have, like, cool powers? Uh,
0: like he- whatever his powers were, they're not clear. He was not the, not the guy who could divine that there were spaceships. Okay, that's the only guy the who third, really showed up. The off. third guy who just like, I don't know, do we really want to... Do we really want to interfere? Yeah, it's not good to interfere, though. Yeah. Um, what have you got while I do some ads?
1: Yeah, yeah there was some Armenian genocide talk, which is which is interesting. Um, what's that? Was that Klingon attack in the teaser meant to coincide with a declaration of war? Because that communique was like ten seconds after the fight stopped.
0: Uh, maybe we should assume that the Klingons sent a declaration of war. Okay, And it got to their ship before it got to Kirk.
1: Okay. All right. That's what I was trying to figure out. Because otherwise that was some weird coincidence. Um, let's see. Uh, this episode is like the antithesis of the Prime Directive. Like, this is some real fucking... Well, they
0: sure forgot the Prime Directive existed, huh? <laughs> yeah. Because, I... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, you know what? i. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if this helps. The Prime Directive only applies to living cultures, right?
1: Oh, and they're, they're a stagnant culture. And this
0: culture. is a stagnant culture. They're
1: arrested. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's... They don't bother to get into it.
0: They don't care. They don't care. And they forgot that the Prime Directive was a thing in this one. Hey, because they wanted to talk about the Vietnam War and we don't have a Prime Directive.
1: Why isn't Kirk interested in knowing why this guy keeps saying he and his ship are in danger? That's a very good question. Is it because he read the script? I have to keep it's asking he, it. It's because he read the script. Yeah. Over and over again, the guy's like, you should be the one who's afraid. We need to protect you. You're in danger, and so's your ship. He says it over and over again, and Kirk never goes, what do you mean by that? What does that, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? What are you talking about?
0: He's run... Look, he's running this script. That's he's, right. He's, he's a college football coach, and he's, doing the, <laughs> he's running this script.
1: Uh, then I ask if the Klingons are supposed to be Chinamen. Um, MVP... I mean, everybody in this episode purposefully sucked. Um only the organians are even a little bit cool and and they're not that cool. I guess maybe the the guy who's got the real good intuition is the MVP. Cuz his intuition okay. is like next level. He's like the Steph it's, I mean it's real good. He's like it's the better s- than sensors. So, He's yeah. the Steph Curry of like weird interstellar intuitions.
0: Um yeah, so uh when all is said and done, I give this episode 18 points. You gave it 20 points. Okay, we're pretty close, then. That's a grand total of 38. Yeah, that's not not much of a gap. You're usually higher than me uh, overall, so it's, you know, 38. um, Last week, Devil in the Dark won with uh, 41, and 38 also would have won. Yeah, last week Uh, sucked. Yeah, when was the last time a 38 got beat? There was a... We gave 38 to Space Seed, but Skin of Evil got 45, so... (laughs) I think it was surprising us both. Uh, it surprised me, for sure. <laughs> I was surprised by my own score. Yeah. And then you scored it even one point higher. So... Yeah. Oh, no, one point lower. But either way, same. Um, So 38's not too bad, but not, uh, you know, not top five or anything like that.
1: No. And we got four more of these old suckers.
0: We did. So there's uh, plenty of opportunities to pass 38. Let's start with The Child. Uh the enterprise has picked up a new doctor and they're making preparations to pick up some samples of a uh, plasma plague that mm-hmm. is affecting somebody to take to a science station to look for a cure. <laughs> it's frankly not 100% uh clear. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned and that. And it doesn't really matter because while they're uh while they're floating around in space on Impulse power waiting for Geordie to replicate a cool honeycomb hideout for the plasmas. Mhm uh a straight old beam of light comes into the ship and uh flies right up Counselor troys bonch
1: straight there dude just like hey uh where's the bonch at how can i get in it also when does it close cuz it's already it's like 957 if it closes at 10 maybe i'll wait till tomorrow but if i can get seated now yep i'd like to be just in the re- bonch. just
0: like immediately there yeah and um Picard gets news of this when he goes to see uh, to meet the new doctor. He's already mad. He's <laughs> mad, I think that his girlfriend left. I think so too. <laughs> and so he is um he's not cool at all about the fact that she hasn't oh no, she didn't check herself. in with me, she's, huh? She's not at sickbay at three in the morning, which I think is when he said he was taking over for Riker.
1: Our notes are very similar on this episode.
0: So uh, he finds out she's in Ten Tenford, which is a brand new place we're just hearing about, but it's the ship's bar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So he goes down there to see what the whole deal is. And uh, she does one of those wonderful, uh, I think you better sit down rather than just tell him stuff.
1: Yep. Right in front of him and the subject. It's uh, smash, kind of unprecedented.
0: Smash cut to conference room scene. Matt's favorite scene in all of Star Trek. It's
1: really amazing. I could talk for 10 hours about this scene.
0: Uh, Counselor Troy is a pregnant. Yeah, And uh, everyone is a little bit concerned about this, and Riker is very concerned about this.
1: For reasons that we covered throughout season one.
0: He cannot be cool about this (laughs) for a tenth of a second.
1: All right, well, let's be fair. He did try to be delicate. He said so. He said he didn't want to be in delicate. He
0: said he didn't want to be in delicate. Yeah. In that he didn't wish her any specific ill (laughs) will. That's right. Basically. Uh, she got pregnant at 11pm or whatever last night mm-hmm. but in 30 the child is growing way fast and in 36 hours she's gonna have that baby mm. Uh, and Papa don't preach <laughs> she's keeping her baby
1: she's hella keeping that baby defiantly
0: so now the Enterprise uh brings aboard a character that did not need to exist mm. Hester Delt a medical lieutenant commander to deal with all of these preparations.
1: It is weird that they gave him a personality, considering his very small role. Uh,
0: and I think that that entire incident is just to fill a little time so that we can cut right to uh, Troy going into labor, because that's the next interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, she chooses Data to to be by her side, which seems like a dumb choice. Well,
1: it's important that you choose a man, then that's what the doctor told her. That's right. There needs Uh, to be a man You
0: almost, almost always the husband is there, she says. You need to, but there has to
1: be some kind of man. You can't give birth without a man present.
0: So take that, women. Yep. (laughs) Uh, so she picks Data. But it doesn't matter who she picks, because basically everybody's there. Everybody shows up. Worf shows up uh, for security reasons, and Riker sneaks in somehow. Yeah, just appears on the other side of Sickbay and watches her creepily <laughs> until the end when he reveals himself. It's very, it's very bad. <laughs> uh, the next day, Picard goes to meet the baby, um, but the baby is already four. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay because after the credits, uh, after the next commercial, he's eight. So he's four and then eight. Right. Yeah, I think they, uh, Pulas- they
1: hired that four-year-old actor just for that, for no reason. For that one second. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see what else happens. Picard and Data get in a little fight about his name.
1: Oh, you mean uh, Pulaski?
0: Pulaski. Yep. Pulaski and Data get in a little fight about his name. Yep. Because she's an old racist. And, um... Boy... Uh at this point we get into I mean the kid burns himself on some split pea soup. At this point <laughs> we get to the C story of the episode. Uh, okay, yep, which is uh Wesley has remained on board, but he is going to have to go and live with his mom who's now the head of Starfleet Medical. Yeah. And he doesn't want to leave. And we know that he's not leaving because he's in a new uniform.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't bother. They him. made
0: a new uniform for him for season 2. Bust so we know a, he's not leaving. A
1: new sweater for nothing.
0: Right. But uh, we get to meet Gynan, who is the bartender in Ten Forward. Hmm. And uh, she and Wesley have a little talk about what he wants to do and why he feels like he can't tell people that he wants to leave and make a stand, you know, stand up for himself and why he always does what he's expected to do, etc., etc.
1: Yeah. Then it's possible to even talk about who he wants to do.
0: They uh, might because we gets... we they, we cut and we come back and he's still in ten four but they're like in a different place and he's eating. It gets raw in there. It, and they talk. He says that uh, that there's a rumor that she's from Novacron. <laughs>
1: well, they uh, say that you're from Novacron and uh, <laughs> he is. Uh... And then he
0: gets called to the bridge. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of the uh, one of the specimens of the plasma plague is growing. Um, which you knew would happen as soon as you heard about all of the measures they were taking to contain them.
1: Yeah. At one point, Pulaski even tells us that if even the most, most harmless yeah, yeah. Uh, gets loose, that ever, all life on the ship
0: will be dead within hours. Destroyed, or yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's growing because of something called Eichner radiation. Oh. And that Eichner radiation is coming from Troy's baby, uh, who she has named Ian. After her father. After her father. Mm-hmm. Ian No <laughs> Ian
1: Some real some good acting going on there.
0: Ian tells Troy that everyone is sick. Everyone will get sick if he stays and he has to leave. And he's gonna leave by dying. That's
1: how I would do it.
0: But then immediately after he puts her through that death, he then turns back into the beam of light and goes and floats in her hand for a while. So why did he? Why didn't he skip that stage? <laughs> That's right. He could have just. Why did he do the dying light? stage? Yeah. Just a real asshole. Yeah. He's just a real asshole.
1: That's how I leave every party. I go. I have to uh, leave now. And then they look at me, and then they they catch They catch on, and they go, "Wait, you you're gonna die? No, you can't die." And I go, "I'm sorry. It's time to leave the party. It's eleven o'clock, and I'm old, so I have to die now."
0: Troy explains to everyone that Ian passed the Enterprise and was curious about them and chose to live as a human to learn about them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Fine. The ship goes to the science station and they transfer all of the samples. Uh, and then Hester Delt announces that they may never find a cure for this thing, so I guess <laughs> this was all just for fun. <laughs> and then uh, Wesley asks to remain on the Enterprise and they do some bridge comedy.
1: Yeah, they do. What, um. In the vein of season one, there's some season one bridge comedy. They
0: do some season one bridge comedy for sure. Yeah. Man, what was this dang whole episode about? Let's
1: be honest. There was no take here. <laughs> this was a series of events with nothing tying them together. Only the Wesley C story even came close to, like, really having a take. And it's really hard to give him credit for that. The take would be something about sometimes you have to do what you think is best, even if it's not what people hope or expect of you. I give this one. I will give it one point. One point for <laughs> being the C-story, maybe having a take.
0: Yep. Because yeah.
1: I tried hard to come up with something about the child. And I couldn't. And then I tried really hard to come up with something about them viruses. And I could not.
0: Oh uh, yeah, there definitely is nothing about the viruses.
1: Like, the child is like, hey... Um... Hell, <sighs> oh, I have a question before we keep talking about the take. How come whenever... Starfleet tries to explore something new, they get, like, kidnapped and brutalized. But whenever mm-hmm. aliens come to explore something new on Enterprise or DS9 or whatever, they just have, they just have like, a good old time. And then they go uh, away. That's a good question. How come no one ever kidnaps or brutalizes them? It's not fair. Um, I mean, what would the take be for the child?
0: Uh, Yeah, no. The child doesn't have a take on its own.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's that's all uh, I could some, come up with.
0: So, I, I don't know. Unless there's something... About uh, uh, walking a mile in someone else's shoes, or
1: like the something about the way a, a child the a, a child learns.
0: No, because we don't really, the only time he does anything childlike, which is when he burns himself, they're like, he fucking did that on purpose. They
1: do, they look at each other. By the way, this episode is a half-horror episode. They didn't go all the way. They didn't do a Voyager, right. but it is a half-horror episode, and they look at that child with horror many times.
0: Yeah, they are They are terrified of this child instantly. It's
1: like it's a living doll character. They hate it despite, so much.
0: Despite the fact that all he's doing is growing too fast. That's right.
1: But um, they definitely treat him like he is Annabelle or Chucky or whatever other evil doll movies exist. Yeah,
0: no, it's true. He burn he burns himself. They uh, emergency conference. P- Pulaski Pulaski fixes his finger, and then the, she steps back with Picard, and she says, "He did that on purpose." And Picard says, "Fuck mm-hmm, yeah, for the experience." <laughs> yeah. And um, I hate so that I don't kid. Know. Yeah. All right. What did you have? All right. So it sucks. Um... <laughs> You have to find balance between your responsibility to others and your responsibility to yourself.
1: Okay. So I think we had the same thing on that. So
0: we see Wesley has to learn to stick up for himself, right? Mm. And Ian, who came aboard just to satisfy his own personal curiosity, has to fuck off because he's hurting people.
1: Right. I got you. I get it.
0: So there's got to be a balance in there. So this is the point. <laughs> So by the way, I gave it four. Okay. I think it's actually a three. I'm downgrading it to a three. Okay. If that is, so no, the the answer is no. They didn't. They they didn't have one. Yeah. There's I, no. They're not trying to do anything.
1: here. I think if there is a background story to this episode about how there was a writer strike and they needed to find a script, then that fits exactly.
0: And that is exactly what it is. Okay, so that is so, that
1: makes total sense, because this is clearly a cobbled-together episode that means nothing.
0: You remember when we were discussing the Neutral Zone last week, mm-hmm. and how it was supposed to be the first part of a multi-part
1: like, story, like where the they DS9 teamed one.
0: up with the Romulans to take on the Borg?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that same writer's strike that, that hit that hit this, and this was a script that had been broken for Star Trek Phase 2 in the mm-hmm. 70s. Yeah. But, so it was supposed to be different characters, but I, wonder if that uh, one had I assume cake. that in the process of having to adapt it and the other real heavy lifting they had to do in this episode was they had to work in a bunch of changes, like new for <laughs> season two, but, Crusher's gone, Pulaski's here.
1: But like every TNG So now we episode. have to figure out what
0: to do with Wesley, because Will Wheaton didn't get fired, Damn. just Gates McFadden got fired. But like Now we have to figure out what to... You know, we built this big new set because we wanted to have at least some social space where the crew can hang out because none of the original sets are suitable for that. So people always have to be showing up at each other's quarters or whatever on the holodeck. All right. Um, we have to introduce Guinan, who's going to be a new character. I was
1: going to say, like a, a true TNG episode, almost all of this work is done in the teaser. Yes. They go, they go uh, hard on the changes in the teaser. Jordi's
0: the chief engineer now. Yeah. He and Worf are in yellow. He's going to be in engineering and not on the bridge. Right. Uh, so, like they, in order to work all of that other stuff in, with the whatever plot they salvaged from this old script for a TV show that never got made a decade previously, they obviously didn't. Like the time was, and because of the writer strike, the time wasn't there to actually make this good.
1: Yes, <laughs> and it showed.
0: Yeah. So let's let's talk about execution. Go for it. Um. First off, sort of camera editing tricks I don't love the muffled heartbeat that we're hearing for Troy While they're having the great abortion debate in the background Yeah,
1: you can hear Worf uh, launching into his argument about uh, the, aborting the fetus And Riker saying some very contradictory things Yeah
0: <clears throat> So I didn't love that just as a filmmaking technique Because it's not... Council Troy was the main character of the show and she narrated it all the time. Hmm. And we constantly saw her perspective. Basically I'm saying if this was uh, Scrubs and she was JD uh, Scrubs this, she if she was Scrubs. If she was Scrubs from from the TV show Scrubs right. then this would make sense, but this is Star Trek. So we don't we don't do that.
1: Uh, we try not to, really.
0: Yeah. Um the Wesley C plot what 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 did we what do we do about Wesley? Could have waited another episode. Now Could
1: have waited forever for all I'm concerned.
0: If it had waited another episode, this would have had no take.
1: <laughs> That's true, but that for me that only would have meant one less point.
0: That's right. So <laughs> it be one less point for you, three less points for me, but um we can the thing at the beginning where Picard says, I'm sorry that our mission has kept you from reuniting with your mother yeah. could have also happened next week.
1: Yes, that awkward small talk could definitely have waited. Yeah.
0: Um this episode has a lot of exposition to do, and it's only mostly ham fisted. Mm. Some of it's not great. When when uh, Picard refers to Jordy as our new chief, our engineer, new chief and, engineer, everybody at and home Riker says I like the sound of that or whatever. That sucks a dick.
1: That makes it seem like this is the first time that these characters are hearing about it. Which yes. is a weird way to do it.
0: Yes, exactly. And it's uh, obviously written by the same person who wrote the Binar seem perfect for this job, even (laughs) though this is the first time I've ever met them. I'm
1: glad. That person needs to keep working.
0: Uh, I actually gave it a five for execution.
1: Okay. Uh, The camera work was interesting in this episode. You got the alien's eye view camera before it goes into Troy's big old hairy bonch. Right, she hasn't...
0: We assume. She hasn't
1: learned what the lady... Based on, on the
0: hair on her head, I assume she, it is.
1: <laughs> she hasn't learned what the lady from the fuck book show learned about shaving at all. Right? That's right. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, I assume she's got a situation, but it might be ornate, like, with her hairdos. Oh, well... Do you think the Betasoyers, like, put beads in it and stuff? Probably, the right? The only character... They, we, they go naked at weddings and stuff. I bet they dress it up.
1: The only character who we know enough about to know about their pubes is Worf. We know everything about Worf. That's a good even point. about his pubes, um, but even to uh, the reveals they do of the small child in Troy's quarters, they were trying to do some creative camera stuff yep. in there. I, it, yeah, they were. It didn't. It didn't completely land. Um, did I miss the explanation? And you kind of got into it in the in the synopsis of why these deadly viruses are being transported and how they will help. Because I get how vaccines work, but why do they gotta transport them to make the vaccine?
0: Yes. So there is an outbreak of plasma plague somewhere.
1: Yeah, but that's like it's too late. Those people are dead, right?
0: Yes. They are taking some samples of plasma plague over to a science station. So from where it is not clear. Okay. Perhaps the place where the outbreak is?
1: Oh, maybe. I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I just don't know. Uh, but later we learned that some of these samples have these samples have undergone like some pretty serious genetic manipulation. Mm-hmm. This plasma plague, so like Clearly they're taking these from one research station to another?
1: Yes. I, I just I But it ha-
0: but it, it could only be an emergency or else why would they risk these thousands of this thousand li- the thousand lives of the Enterprise crew?
1: Yeah, you'd put this on some kind of and, skeleton crew and, freighter or something.
0: Or probably you could even put it on like, in a barge that was towed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to expose people to this nonsense.
1: Definitely got the feeling that Jordy was coming up with some real on-the-fly shit.
0: Well, he made most of that out of uh, PVC pipes. He did, it's clear. So...
1: Uh, were those... It does seem improvised. Were those some of the transporter room pipes or some of the engineering pipes?
0: Those are from the original series. Yeah, I know. We haven't just... seen pipes yet on this one. I'm
1: assuming that technology survived the... 100 years or whatever but well he
0: probably had to replicate he had to replicate him he had to look up he just typed pipes into his computer <laughs> and it was like do you want the pipe with the weird door handle on it um for hitting
1: uh vulcanians uh,
0: no finny
1: oh that's the one he hit finny with okay yeah or
0: do you want the transporter room pipe for hitting vulcanians <laughs> right
1: okay <laughs> i don't have much to say about execution obviously because there was no real take yeah. So uh, those I only had those other points. Um, I thought it was as much as a four.
0: Yep. Yep. So you're a little cooler on this one than I am so far.
1: Yeah. World, build, though, but don't worry though. There's so much world building in this. There's, okay. Let's like, hear it.
0: What do they do? There's a uh, odet nine. Okay. How do shift? Did you see? Do yeah. you see the crazy way they were spelling that a- in the subtitles? Was by that a u? It was apostrophe a u d e t.
1: Oh, hold on a second. Apostrophe. Uh huh. I did not see that. That's a problem. You can't spell things like that.
0: It was apostrophe lowercase a u d e t.
1: Wow. No, I did not see that. Um, hey, how do uh, how do the work shifts? How do those work in Starfleet? Because you are right uh, that it's, Picard says it's he wild he will relieve
0: he's going <laughs> to relieve Riker at 0300
1: hours, and I'm, which is
0: weird. No matter what,
1: like, well, how does it? When does his shift start? How does his shift work?
0: Why O three hundred?
1: Yep.
0: And by Later the way, we will learn that Data usually takes the night shift
1: when he comes in, Riker does look like he's almost asleep on the bridge. So.
0: Yep. Uh yeah. maybe they're running shifts differently because they're trying to deal with this plague situation, but 0300 instead of 0400 or midnight. It's weird.
1: The there's as usual there's a plague somewhere that's moving the plot along, but I couldn't really make much of it. Uh Ian was a life force entity.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I gave this two, but I'm downgrading to a one. <laughs> That's one point of world building. That's as okay. close to nothing as you can get.
0: Um, ten forward is world building
1: I guess so
0: also um they have uh pain control pain management techniques for childbirth that still let you experience it, mm. just like Ricky Lake would want.
2: That's
0: right. <laughs> I felt uh, no pain. well yeah, it turned out it was unnecessary. Yeah. Um Eichner radiation plasma plague uh, I had given it as much as a three, but you're right. it's a two. I give it I'm it to a two. Oh,
1: can you put me back up at a two for ten forward? I guess I'll count that. That's something it's I mean we have every reason to that believe space it's space like back. this
0: exists on the enterprise, but I think in all of season one, the only time we ever see any crew members having any downtime is in the hall deck or when Riker's looking at those harp ladies,
1: yeah, yes. But I, I think we are intended to believe that things will happen there since they gave it a big introduction and Whoopi Goldberg works there.
0: That's right. So. I and I get, you would know, you would say, holy shit, that's Whoopi Goldberg.
1: Oh, for sure. That she was not At an unknown At this point person. in
0: time that we live in, that's, she's an important person. Yeah.
1: So that's something. That's meant to be something.
0: Uh, characterization. Go. Characterization. Uh, Guinan. Yes. Exists and uh you can already tell that um the show should have had more actors on it from the beginning
1: because when someone come in can come in and read lines cuz even like, with oh, her hey. uh
0: crazy hat and and eyebrows mm-hmm. uh she does she seems like um the only real person on the ship
1: so far <laughs> that's so far. that's correct
0: <laughs> and that little bit of business that you quoted with Wesley I think is even better because he's talking to her like Wesley never said anything that sounded like something a normal person would say in the first season Oh,
1: okay, but to be fair, he did one time say
0: Adults
1: (laughs) Okay, you're right, yeah, you got it
0: So, you know, she elevated a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, We have Pulaski, so far all we know about her is that she is a racist against androids Yeah But um, I predict that's an important aspect of her character, so
1: I predict it will be too Uh,
0: Data has too many emotions as usual Mm -hmm. This is the worst part of the characterization in this episode is Data
1: He's usually the worst part.
0: Troy is going through some stuff in this one.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I kind of feel like she's sort of, she's playing a different person in this episode than she has before.
1: Yeah, in a way it's like she's being altered in some way. She's not playing baseline Troy for sure. Right.
0: And uh, Riker has some real inner turmoil, just like in Haven.
1: Season one Riker still exists in season two.
0: And I already miss having Jory on the bridge. Yeah. So, um, on the whole, I gave it a five. A lot of that is from Guinan.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's see what I got here. Uh, Picard pretends not to know the new Doctor's name because he's still butthurt about his lady leaving the ship. (laughs) So we had the same thought on this. <laughs> then he can't stand.
0: No, nothing else can explain how irritated he is by what's happening yeah. in that scene.
1: I, I, by the way, I'm not even sure that's, I think that's just text. I don't even think it's subtext. I think, yes. I think we are supposed to 100% get that he is real mad about his lady being gone. And then he can't stand being next to Wesley in the lift, literally just walks away from him because he doesn't like standing next to him. Yep. Um. And I guess I'm not surprised that
0: Picard surprised because now Wesley is just a reminder that's
1: right. My girlfriend's gone, but her stupid kid is, is still here. He's always fucking nerding off. <laughs> um, I guess I'm not surprised that Picard has never played with a puppy.
0: Yes. He doesn't seem like someone who
1: would have. Yeah. He didn't he didn't get that that part of childhood. <laughs> Do, you know, I
0: don't think I have. Uh, that's <laughs> Oh wow.
1: It was the first time he would ever even considered it.
0: Well, your French dad was an asshole, he huh? He really was. <laughs> That' why you're in space and you can't have personal relationships.
1: Uh, I could talk. I like, guess I said I could talk for ten hours about Riker in this conference room scene.
0: It's a, it's amazing. He, it's so amazing that you should just watch it. You shouldn't have to listen to us describe it. He
1: doesn't mean to be indelicate, dude.
0: But, who's the, indelicate, but who's the father? Who's the father? It's like dog. It's like Th- hey, this is not
1: why we're having this conference. Uh, even meetings. before
0: this he says that, and I, I think this is actually a pretty good acting out of Frakes. He does a good nonverbal response when he hears that conception occurred 11 hours ago. He's
1: like, who the he fuck did, were you he with? He did
0: not want to know the specific time <laughs> that she was fucking.
1: He's like, oh, well, it wasn't me, because we ain't fucked in a week and a half. so That's right. It was Wait, I wasn't else. there
0: 11 hours ago, I was there 14 hours ago. <laughs> so
1: who the fuck was the father? That's what he thinks they're there to talk about.
0: That's what he thinks this is.
1: Then he gives some real contradictory shit while she's having her, uh, you can hear her heartbeat and we're getting things from her perspective a little bit. First, he says that he has to believe that there was a reason that this happened. This wasn't it by accident. And then he comes back when Worf says that they have determined the fetus and go, we can't assume that it's hostile. That's right. So what are you saying exactly? What is your point?
0: He doesn't know.
1: He's just all over the place. He also does not like Wesley looking at his pregnant ex girlfriend.
0: Oh my God, does he not?
1: Wesley just turns around and looks at her, and he's like, "Hey,
0: eyes ahead, dick."
1: Wesley has yep, to turn. He back He snaps around. right at him. It's like, hey, you know, people are allowed to look at her. She she don't belong to you. You guys aren't even dating. Like
0: we've we- seen this episode a lot a number of times, and I had never noticed before Riker giving him that dead look. (laughs)
1: He's so mad that Wesley looked at her. And then, yeah, he creeps into sick pay like like a fucking space perv and watches her from afar while she's making babies in there. (sighs) Riker, by the way, the rest of the episode, then he disappears. Yep. Like, he comes to her quarters. His part of
0: the episode is over once the kid is a person.
1: Yeah, he's not involved anymore, kind of like you suspected. Riker would not be involved once there was a kid.
0: It's true. That's exactly what she's been worried about all along. As
1: soon as he sees that it's a kid, he just—he's out. He's done. It was
0: a discussion we didn't see in Haven. That's right.
1: <laughs> well, you said you always wanted to be a starship captain, and that you definitely didn't want to be a dad. So,
0: I mean, it kind of you makes also sense said that you're you're a, a you're a free bird, and this bird you cannot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> J-A-A-A. Um, uh, so it kind of makes sense. Later we'll learn that his dad is horrible. So and then you kind of get it. You're like, "Oh, yes. that's why he doesn't want to have kids." Um, Worf wants to make this baby dead, but he will also accept the responsibility of tucking in Wesley at night.
0: Well, don't forget that he also proposed says that if uh if you abort the fetus, it can he still can, be studied. Yeah, cuz someone's like, "No, scientific we, analysis can still be done." Yeah,
1: cuz someone's like, "No, we should we should this it's is an, an opportunity, opportunity to study this." Yeah, and he's like, "So, just study its <laughs> remains." It's like,
0: so fucking dissect it. What do I care? Don't
1: vaporize it. Hit it with a hammer or something.
0: It's, it's, a, it's a fetus. Oh. We don't need phaser two.
1: That's right. Exactly. Phaser one will be will be sufficient. Troy courageously decides to have this baby. So suck it, pro-choicers. Pro-choicers <laughs> out there. That's right. She's so defiant about it, even though it is a bonkers situation. So I can only guess there's a behind-the-scenes pro-life motive at play. Right?
0: I assume that they couldn't be like... She, uh, it can't ever be an option for her. Yeah. She's like, and we, i don't want. I'm. I don't want to read one this. letter about this, so. That's right.
1: Because <laughs> she, she, like, puffs up her shoulders and shit. She's like, I'm having Captain, this baby.
0: Do what you must to keep the ship safe. But know this. But I'm having this baby. She says, yes.
1: but know this. But know this. I'm having this baby. Um, And is her sadness about Ian dying about her strong mothering instincts or is she being emotionally coerced somehow is the Uh, alien controlling
0: her it is not clear to me throughout this entire episode what is going on with Troy but I think we have to assume that something is up with her yeah we know that she has some telepathic contact with Ian
1: yeah well all the stuff that we learn about him she says to us
0: he absolutely could be coercing her too because her behavior is uh, weird and she's like a different person in this episode
1: yeah but they never explore that because it's just bad writing. Yeah. Data's got all the emotions, as always. He, I think it's supposed to be for comedy and sick bay. It's not funny. It's not funny.
0: No, it never. it's never funny. It's, it's funny. literally never been funny.
1: Just don't do it anymore.
0: I don't know why they even think it's funny. It's just not funny. It's not
1: funny if you're telling us over and over again that he's an android incapable of emotions. It's not funny.
0: It's not funny when he says query to someone.
1: <sighs> no, never funny. Not funny at all. Pulaski thinks that a man has to be present in order for a baby to be born. Mm -hmm. As we talked about, she also immediately pits herself against the viewing audience by calling Data technology. And she makes a real grossed out face when she sees that little boy for the first time. So not strong work out of her in episode one. Yeah, Guinan is hitting it hard from episode one, trying to teach people life lessons, even though she's never even met them.
0: Boy, it's super clear that that's what they wrote this character to be.
1: She's just getting in their grills and shit and making them all mad, offering them drinks over and over again. This is
0: no Simpsons season one. Guinan is Guinan from the minute we see (laughs) her.
1: That's right, exactly.
0: I don't know if that's because Whoopi Goldberg invented this character, or if the writers just knew exactly what they wanted out of her, but uh, boy, boy, is she consistent.
1: Yeah. Wesley clearly already feels he's going down a path that he has little say in, which will become which will be an ongoing theme, but this episode can't get credit for that. Um, and he's already got a thing for Guinan because they say that that you're is from true. Novacron. And, uh,
0: well, they say you're from Novacron. And uh,
1: what is the follow up to that? That they've got three breasts? Like, I
0: don't, I don't know. I would love to hear it. That
1: they the only 69. I'm just trying to figure out where he was going to go with that. Cause it felt like it was getting body in there. Um, so some positives and negatives in this one. I also gave it a five. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Uh, while I do math, I'm you, you, your characterization section felt like quick hitters. I'm sure you have some <laughs> actual quick hitters.
1: It hey, was all that fanfare in the opener, the opening scene, to prepare us for Worf's new uniform color and Riker's beard.
0: I think so. Was it to prepare
1: us for Wesley's new jumpsuit and Geordi's oh, new? Oh, they gave uniform?
0: us a lot of fanfare and a long flyby. Was
1: it for the new Doctor and Picard busting out grand? Was it uh, for Jordy having a new job? Was it for Ten Forward and Whoopi Goldberg? What was th- that teaser? Was just look at all of the new stuff. Yep. Hey, with Jordy's sweet vision, why would you take him away from the observation lounge and put him in the middle of the ship, away from all windows?
0: That's right. There's no windows for him to look out. It's
1: going to take him a while to get to a window. How can
0: you ask him to go have a real look at something? Yeah, like, it's going to be. Tough and he's like, work. "Well, the saucer section's in the way. Can you <laughs> tilt the ship?"
1: That's right. I can't. I can't see it from here, guys. You're on your own. Uh
0: I'm down here on deck 36. So
1: closed captions referred to the noise this alien was making as a muted tinkling buzz. Nice. So I think that's canon now. That's the noise that alien makes. Um how often does Troy have to change the clothes on this creature?
0: Uh, must be permanent like every hour right I would
1: just should get some
0: a size big so that it'll last a whole hour
1: put it in something real stretchy would be my idea well
0: luckily most of the clothing on the Enterprise is spandex based so
1: yeah uh, that kid has the devil's curly hair um oh Miles Edward O'Brien is back in this one
0: as a full lieutenant now J- they don't say it or his name <laughs> I don't think they have a name for him yet But he
1: hasn't he didn't, did he say anything in this episode I think he just pushed a button uh,
0: he does. He has a tiny, tiny amount of business when they're beaming the samples over, but not much.
1: This is some kind of half-hour episode, as I mentioned. This kid is supposed to creep us out, but his 1988 hairdo is killing the scares. <laughs> I I just couldn't get very scared of him. Yeah, Jordy, nice to see him with a sweet new gig and responsible for things that seem wildly outside the purview of a chief a ship's chief engineer. Like, designing this weird virus containment device. Seems yep. like he should be working in engineering on the engine. Doesn't engines. really have
0: anything to do with the ship's engines, <laughs> yeah. but I guess... I guess uh, everything Everything is engineering at some level in Starfleet. Yeah,
1: chief engineer in Starfleet is a, is a catch-all. It's just like, you are all of the technical positions.
0: I mean, frankly, we will see more engineering staff over the course of this show than anything else. Starfleet might be 80% engineers. Other but races... They might need some more ratings for technical people, other than just engineer.
1: Other alien species eventually start to refer to Starfleet's great engineering crews and uh, engineering talent. So I think you may be right that Starfleet is mainly an engineering organization. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't
0: know. That's... I mean, just just think of all of the assistance to engineering, engineering you've seen. There are probably more engineers on this show than there are different people at the con. God,
1: that could, yeah. I mean, that could be. Uh, the MVP in this one. I'm trying to find somebody who didn't suck. Did anyone do a good job? Jordy, Jordy built the thing. It's Jordy.
0: Yeah, it wasn't his fault that the thing was getting bombarded by Eichner radiation. He built
1: that thing in like a minute, so I'll make him the MVP because everyone right. else just kind of sat around.
0: Well, plus he's gonna reuse it later to keep bees. Good. That's helpful. What is, you'll like it when you're putting honey on your toast.
1: Uh, honeycomb, honeycomb. Me want honeycomb.
0: Um. Hey, this beam of light. Yeah. Uh, can go through walls and the ceiling and shit. Yeah. Why does it have to go under the covers and up Troy's actual hole?
1: Instead of just going straight into her womb?
0: Just like, just in from the top or the bottom. Yeah. Just just through and in
1: so that when she wakes up startled there's also kind of an erotic part
0: kind of a sexual connotation yeah uh is that why she's wearing that shoulderless sleep outfit
1: it is an extremely ornate night sleepy thing night sleepy thing
0: i kind of i'm kind of mad that we didn't get to see the bottom because like is it is it a shirt and she's got pants on is that it's some kind of weird night dress no it
1: is straight something that uh uh pop star would wear to like the the video music awards i think right
0: I I I just want to see the rest of that wild outfit that they invented for her to sleep in. Yeah,
1: plus her hair is all did up in like a high a high ponytail. Like she's like, I don't think she's ready for sleep.
0: Yeah, she um, she was ready to party. I think you do mean to be indelicate, Bill.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't just say that, and then like we can't yeah. just take you at face value. You seemed like, like you were saying being no indelicate. offense. Yeah,
0: if you say something offensive, like it still counts, buddy. That's right. Um, so Data was going to Sick Bay to meet with Dr. Pulaski to go over Hester Delt's itinerary. Yeah. And he takes a right out of the turbo lift and he runs into Troy and she says, Data, help me to Sick Bay. And then he does a 180 and goes with her off to the left. Where was he going the first time?
1: <laughs> Good question. Uh, well, he, he had some painting. He had a painting project
0: that he was going to work on. I got mad at Spiner. I wrote, Hey, fuck you, Spiner. Um,. When did Riker get down here to Sick Bay? Was he hiding in a corner waiting?
1: Oh he's been in yeah, he was in Sick Bay right after that meeting. He just went and hid in Sick Bay because he knew she was gonna I'll have just, the baby. Just
0: wait, I'll just camp out here. Yeah.
1: He's like, that baby's coming soon, I'm just gonna wait.
0: They do the usual thing of having a three month old baby um play a newborn. Yeah. In uh in TV. They put some go- but goop in this on one it. I guess it kinda makes sense. <laughs>
1: that's true, yeah.
0: A kid was born already three months old. Like Yeah, they put some, they put some goop on its face. Um. Make sure you get lots of close-ups of data reacting, said an idiot. <laughs> yep.
1: Doctor! Doctor! Doctor now! Doctor!
0: I, um, I don't like the way Ian calls Troy mommy. It doesn't feel real at all.
1: Yeah, that kid doesn't say that in real life. Yeah. Kid says like... So,
0: an- another instance of they're on a- an urgent mission... They've got to get these fucking plague samples there. They're all pissed off that they have to wait for Hester Delt to do all of his checkups and shit. And then, uh, and then Picard gives the order to proceed to the Rochelle system at warp six. Nice. Ship goes faster than that, buddy.
1: Hey, um, after Jordy had to replicate all those things that really <laughs> affected the max warp speed, I think. I guess so. <laughs> By the way, what the fuck are those things made out of that it took so much warp energy to replicate them?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question. That's how, garbage. Much, how much energy can it take? How, you how know many there... weeks replicator rations does it take <laughs> to make a little Lexan hexacomb?
1: You know, there are hexagon. a thousand people on the ship. The replicators must be going, like, all the time.
0: Yeah, they're never not replicating yeah. something.
1: Yeah,
0: <sighs> Plus, I assume the replicator is what the toilets are connected to.
1: <laughs> Don't dig a dump for a while. We need to replicate these things.
0: Like, we know that we know that uh, the dirty laundry goes into the replicator. We don't. I mean, in the future, we will know that plates and dirty laundry and stuff go back into the replicator. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, I think this is the first time we see a warp transition from inside the ship. We see it through the big picture windows and 10 forward. Ah,
1: when Wesley's trying not to have a drink.
0: That's right. He doesn't want to drink Gamorrean tea or the nectar, nectar cup of nectar straight from Prometheus or whatever.
1: <laughs> Fucking sci-fi writers! How come no one just goes? You want some tea? We like got, they don't have um, to specify, right?
0: We got Lipton. Do you want? lipton? Yeah, we got tea bags. We have, the replicator only has Lipton. I don't know.
1: Tea, we got these old tea bags. We had them for years,
0: but I think they're still good. Just, it's good. just tea. Something's like what happens? It gets stale. It's tea. Yeah. Um. Hey, the wrong computer voice is in this episode
1: Wait, what? I th- I thought it was What's her name?
0: No, it's a dude, straight up a dude Wait a minute, what? Yep. Huh, I didn't notice that Uh, it can't break through this This is a bunch of pipes <laughs> Says, says Jordy <laughs> Uh, the, it turns out that Eichner radiation Can be emitted by certain, uh, cyanoacrylates Oh That is super glue, my dude what if?
1: Uh... So that's, that's... Did you
0: know superglue emits Eichner radiation? Now
1: I do. Now I know not to use it if I'm transporting any of these crazy
0: viruses. Yeah, he said certain cyanoacrylates, and I said, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> and then I ran it back and watched the caption. Yeah, that's what it said. Right. And then I said, "Maybe I'm wrong." And so I Googled it. Nope, superglue.
1: So maybe don't put it to- put it together with superglue. Use something else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh...
0: uh. Hester Delt has his pants tucked into his boots. Sure. Wesley's new uniform is not better than his old one, but I've always liked that his communicator is <laughs> silver on silver instead of silver on gold.
1: Uh, you got to earn that silver on gold. That's right. He'll be an
0: officer. And um, and then one more, and this is a again. I usually end with a real question. I really need to ask you hmm. at the end. Is Picard asking Riker to explain sex to Wesley?
1: Boy, it does kind of feel like that
0: because he puts Data in charge of his education. Yep. And Worf in charge of tucking him in at night. Yeah. And then he, but then he says that, you know, there's all this business of growing up, and he thinks Riker's the one who's going to have to take care of that.
1: Well, it can't be Picard if our theory holds. That's right. Picard will not have much to say about it. Girls are very scary. It's it's okay to be scared of them, um, but just know that you know, they're more just scared get interested of you.
0: In archaeology. <laughs> it's a good hobby. Maybe Run marathons. It's a
1: really good hobby. It takes a lot of time, so you don't have to worry about about girls almost no women in it at all you don't have to worry about girls anymore like your like your
0: stupid mom with her stupid sexy zipper
1: (laughs) yes i think that's right i think riker is gonna have to tell him all about which aliens to do it with
0: i gave best actor to wesley well they say you're from (laughs) novacron and uh crusher yeah, I usually give it to someone who says something that all of a sudden seems like something a person would actually say. Right. And I gave worst actor to uh, Maurice. He is a life force entity. Hurley. God, that line is so bad. I didn't think there was any way Troy could have saved it. He's
1: a life force. He is a entity, life force
0: entity. She says,
1: and no one in the room goes. Well, I mean, obviously, but what? what yeah, could you more s- <laughs> did you have? We knew he was alive. Anything more specific than that, or <laughs> that's
0: the best you've got?
1: Because you don't need to have a telepathic connection (laughs) with the kid to know that. Like, he's uh, a life force entity.
0: I gave it 15, you gave it 12. That is a total of 27.
1: Really bad for TNG.
0: 27. That is over 8 points below their series average.
1: And you know what? We weren't that impressed with the last two episodes of the the first season. So they're not exactly trending in the right direction. That
0: is true. Conspiracy, we only gave 28. Yeah. We'll always have Paris. We only gave 28. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah when the Bow Breaks got 27. The last episode to get worse than 27 was uh, Too Short a Season with Jameson. Sure. Before that, The Big Goodbye. That was uh, also bad. Got 21. And Code of Honor got 26. So, and Lowly Among Us got 26. So, 27 is not unprecedentedly bad for TNG, but it's well below their average. Yeah.
1: Not their best stuff.
0: Whereas um, TOS, which is still currently leading with 38, uh, came in just a point and a half above their average this week. So, yeah, yep. Um, but hey, maybe, maybe the best episode of the week will be a Deep Space Nine episode <laughs> all about Ferengis. It's called <laughs> Rules of Acquisition. Sorry, that's not how I introduce these. We watched Rules. Sorry, this week we watched <laughs> Rules of Acquisition.
1: I appreciate your professionalism, and so does everybody at home, I imagine.
0: That's right. It does not extend to editing it so that I did it right the first time, yeah, that's fine. but consistency is important. Matthew. Uh,
1: this one. Okay. This this episode, Rules of Acquisition. Um, So, Grand Nagus, he calls Quark on his, bat fo- on his Quark bat phone, Nagus phone, and he's like, hey, I'm I'm uh, coming back out there. We gotta talk about business or whatever. And he gets there and he's like, "Hey, I know how to get into the Delta Quadrant trading game." Gamma. Sorry, Gamma Quadrant trading game. You can tell I don't write these down. Uh, this t- these tuliberry's they're off they're off the chain and they're on fleek and they're they're mm-hmm. lit and turned they
0: are streets ahead.
1: They are streets ahead, and if we get into the Tuliberry wine game, that is our foothold into the Gamma quadrant, and that's how we, the Frankie, are gonna make it big in there. So he's gonna send Quark to go uh, negotiate with some dudes named the the Dosai, mm-hmm. um, to for these Tuliberry wine vats or Tuliberry grape vats or whatever the fuck he he's supposed to be doing. Uh, Meanwhile, Quark has got, like, a new buddy named Pell, who's another Ferengi, uh, who's giving him all this righteous advice about profit. Um, Yeah,
0: it's the same advice that um, Stephen Chow gives in God of Cookery (laughs) when they're opening a restaurant. Uh, uh, Big straws, lots of ice in the cups. (laughs) Yes. uh, Salty fries. Yep. Make the chairs uncomfortable. Exactly correct.
1: (laughs) Uh, and that makes Rom real jealous. Rom's mad jealous, because you know, for some reason he, he covets his b- brother's love. Even though his- He just
0: doesn't want to be number five on the Ferengi food chain on that station. I think,
1: yeah, maybe that could be it. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of Tongo games and shit as they talk about strategy. Alright, let me just cut to the chase. I'm not going to go through this whole episode. Pell is a lady Ferengi who's pretending to be a boy Ferengi to try to make profit, because lady Ferengis aren't allowed to do anything in their society. So she wants to live that good, good profit life. But, oh no, she fell in love with Quark for obvious reasons.
0: <laughs> he is a sex <sighs> pest.
1: And uh, so during the negotiations with the doci, they're getting real close and they maybe have a, a gay moment. But it's okay, everyone at home. Don't be afraid of the I'm sorry, gays. Don't
0: worry, Quark's not a gay. Quark's not gay. She's secretly a woman all along and he must have known It's
1: that. a woman, so like in Shakespearean times, everything's just going to be a-okay.
0: They're, it doesn't matter that he thought he was kissing a boy. They're probably going to
1: get married in the end or something. Uh, he he makes a real good, good impression on the doci by being a, a dick like they are in negotiations. Kind of like Wesley when he runs into that guy and he, the guy says, you blocked my path. That's right. And then Wesley says he's at fault.
0: Um. I am Rondan. <laughs> do, do you know me?
1: <laughs> I'm Rondan of Jan. Um, I don't know what to say about this. In the end, uh, Rom reveals the secret that this Pell is a lady Ferengi, and it's almost a disgrace for everybody, but Quark, I don't know, Quark salvages it somehow, Some about bribing the Grand Nagus I,
0: I mean, he kind of does. The only one who gets away clean is Zek, though.
1: Anyway, they get a real hot tip on how to get into, uh, the Dominion to talk business in the Gamma Quadrant and, uh, Everything's everything's fine in the end. I don't know. What was it about?
0: Sexism is bad?
1: All right. Fair enough. That's fair.
0: So <clears throat> so there are some possible issues here, right? Um number 1 it is straight up illegal for women to wear clothing. Yeah. In Ferengi society. Yeah, we get a little bit. It's illegal for a man to take business advice from a woman. We are told that it is a crime. Yep. However, this is not a civil rights issue in this episode. No. Because Pell doesn't even aspire to change the Ferengi laws. She's way too early in this fight for that. Yeah. She is resigned to the fact that she's going to have to either live as a man or live far away from Ferengi society. right? Um, and incidentally, this is uh, how the early stages of all these civil rights fights go, right?
1: Yeah, you got some like, people out there on their own doing their own thing.
0: Yeah, That's very realistic. There was a Sawbones episode about a woman who was maybe the first woman doctor in the Western world who just lived her entire life as a man. What are you gonna do? Just so she could be a doctor. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, before there was any such thing as civil rights for gay people, a lot of them just were gay secretly, right? Yeah. It's, this is this is a a very real stage in in these kinds of movements. So mm-hmm. that's fine. That's actually realistic. Um, and I think that's also why you have to have the Ferengi talking a lot. Uh, you know, at the Tongo table with Dax or. They start to use insults that we've never heard before in this episode about he has uh, bus- he has you know a business sense like a woman or he has bad lobes like a woman, right, right. So we have to hear that they st- they have stereotypes about women not being good at it at- so that we know that that's maybe their poor rationalization for their laws or whatever right So this is not even really about equality or civil rights. This is just about don't be a sexist. I agree. Because the only lesson that it is possible to learn, and I'll talk in the next minute about why no one learns it, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> is that oh no, women really are capable of this. Like the the, the lesson that Quark should learn from this is that uh, that women are just as capable in business as men. However, they're going to undercut it. But the uh, the so the premise is just about sexism. It's not about civil rights. Uh, I think it's only a four. At this point, we don't need this hmm. to be science fiction. You
1: mean by 1992 or whatever? Yes, exactly. Whatever. I, don't... I don't know what year this is.
0: And it's a very simplistic <clears throat> take. And there's no nuance to it, right? That's, that's all there is in this, so... It's not a new idea. It's something a Star Trek fans should already know.
1: Boy, you'd hope so.
0: I mean, granted, the original series treats women pretty badly. And yeah. by the end of The Next Generation... The remaining woman characters on board are not getting the best work to do. Yeah. But,
1: um... So I started getting into that as well.
0: <laughs> but it, this, should, this is not groundbreaking at this point in 1992, right. or whatever, whatever year this was. And uh, it doesn't need to be a science fiction. It's a four.
1: Well, I think the artist has something to say about a woman's place in society, and of course the masks that they're forced to wear. If I were the NEA, I'd give him five, maybe ten grand. <laughs> it's an extra point for letting me make a news radio reference.
0: that um, That's the one where Beth takes naked pictures of the bag over her head <laughs> yes, I mean, and shows them to Bill, and Bill does that. Bill's real and cool about imme- it. Goes immediately <laughs> over to uh, Matthew's is desk. Is it Joe or Dave? It's, Who does he go to? He goes over to, to Matthew's to? desk. He
1: goes Matthew. straight over, I mean, beelines to Matthew's desk, and goes, Hey, Beth's showing nudie pictures of herself. Check it <laughs> yep. out. <laughs> he plays it so cool.
0: I'm giving five, ten grand.
1: Uh, I, I get extra point for news radio reference. I give it a seven. <laughs> I just think, uh,
0: look, it's it's like last week. It's a very well-meaning take.
1: Yes, I it, my It's just not a sophisticated one. Are more in the execution than in the actual. Yeah, what we're I think we're supposed to take away.
0: Well, let's jump into it and talk about execution.
1: Uh, this is such a like a rote rehashing of 50 identical stories about ladies pretending to be men so they can have that good life and then falling in love with another man. Can I Can I take points away for unoriginality? Yes, I can.
0: Um, I think you absolutely can. I can't say... And by the way, this is by the fucking numbers.
1: I can't say for sure how much work was done in TNG for women's rights. As you mentioned, it seems like they did worse as they went along.
0: But I, I think they just got used to being lazy about those characters, so if there was an episode about... Uh, Gender equality or whatever, it would be, uh, you know, be like the Outcast or something, right? Where they went for a big science fiction version of it, yeah. And it wouldn't be, not would not be evidenced in the way they uh, treat and portray the characters of Deanna Troy and Beverly Crusher. Oh, I'm sorry, she's gone, Catherine Pulaski. Yeah,
1: um, but I do think it's later Trek's responsibility to undo some of what Roddenberry did. Yeah, because he was not it. Look. Obviously, in real life, he was not a fan of the ladies, and he uh, bled into the shows.
0: It seems to have snuck through, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, there was some interesting juxtaposition in how the Doci treat their women, versus how the Ferengis did. That lady was like an because equal partner. Because
0: Z- or whatever her name is, yeah. is clearly a partner in this endeavor, and she seems to be also be the... Smart one yeah. of the two. So, but she's also huge and menacing, just like the other guy.
1: <laughs> See how charitable I am this week is what I have written yeah, here? Yeah, that is very charitable. <laughs> Stick with me here. Considering it was only about the Ferengi and their shit not much to do with Starfleet or station stuff, they made the effort to pack it full of um, some world building and uh, some, some societal uh, messaging. And overall, I was bored but not super disappointed. I gave it a five.
0: Okay. I think... The, 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 you were a little kinder than me. I only gave it a three. Okay. And I uh, my main problem here is that when you put this anti-sexism message in the mouths of the Ferengi... Yeah. When you make it a Ferengi show...
1: Right.
0: Then you have to contend with the fact that the Ferengi are themselves terrible racial stereotypes. Yes, they are. <laughs> and everybody in this episode, all the Federation characters... Are well, and I'm thinking of, of Kira and Cisco because hmm. they're the only other ones in it, and they're barely in it. Are like, I don't know, I don't trust the Ferengi. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking shysty I don't trust them.
1: <laughs> Starfleet again, great at being racist towards aliens.
0: So you are saying that uh sexism is bad, and look at these dumb, look at these dumb, bad Ferengis. Look how bad they are. Mm-hmm. But but don't do sexism. Racism's fine though. Yeah, Grace, that's gonna be okay. So I think that sucks. And then, uh, like you, uh, this was a hoary old plot. By the time Shakespeare did it, yeah, exactly. But another big problem is that I think the um, love angle mm. undercuts it terribly.
1: You mean because the lady makes a lot of bad business decisions based on love?
0: Well, so a that sucks. Yeah, uh, she she's not. She's not the equal to the Ferengi men in terms of ruthlessness because of it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they really don't love Hoes.
1: They do not love Hoes at all. All they love is fucking Umak. Stroke my loaves, dude.
0: But also, who is supposed to have learned anything from this story? Is it Quark? Because when you make it a thing where also he maybe has fallen in love with her, then you're also... You're creating a situation in which she is already special or different or above.
1: Yeah. Other women? What he learns so might not putting translate her in a class. to women. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So there's no there's no reason to think that he is going to take whatever he's learned about her and apply it to other women. Yeah. And of course, uh you are also in the in the manner of the Bechdel test, yep. You are again saying that a woman's value is defined by her relationship with men.
1: Yep, sure.
0: And um, speaking of that, this episode is about fifty-fifty. There are two conversations between women mm. in this episode. There's one with uh, Kira and Dax. Okay, about how the Ferengi are Dax's favorite race.
1: It's true. And by the way, then that is all stereotypes, and it is hard to And then to there's to.
0: one between uh, Dax and uh, Pell, and it's uh, just about relationships. How much so. did you
1: love that Dax defending the Ferengi had nothing to do with saying to Kira, you know not all people of one species are the same, and had have- everything to do with her sp- spelling out stereotypes that she enjoyed?
0: I specifically... <laughs> I like those goofy old Ferengi. <laughs> it was amazing. She
1: She's like, yeah, that's true. That's all true, but it's kind of fun. And you're like, oh, boy. Yep, yep.
0: exactly. Oh, boy. This episode, they can only do one fucking thing at a time. Yep. And so this episode is anti-sexism, but it's just racism abounds. Yeah. Anyway, I gave it three for execution. Right. Uh, Quarks learned nothing. Rom learned nothing. Zek learned nothing. Feels fair. So no work was done for Ferengi women that, by this episode. That feels fair to me as well. I guess Pell got ten bars of gold-pressed latinum. That's not bad. And a one-way ticket to Andoria or wherever the fuck she's going. Wherever no one will ever hear from her again. Yep. Uh, what about world building? Uh, there's a lot about Ferengi sexual politics, and given the amount that the Ferengi have been in Deep Space Nine, yeah. it's likely to come up again. Agreed. I don't know how important it is, but it's there. Yep. Uh... The first rumblings of a big power in the Gamma Quadrant called the Dominion.
1: Yep. Again,
0: this is where I couldn't give them credit for what the Dominion is going to become. At this point, they do set it up like it's going to be something. Yeah. And they're being cagey about it in a way that suggests they're trying to set something up? Yes. Uh, Bejor needs fertilizer. I gave it three. Oh, boy. Okay.
1: All right. Y'all ready for this? Gramillion sand peas. Keep doing that. Low-carb bum, bum, beans are like bum, bar bum, food, bum, I guess. Bum,
0: bum, 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 grand Nagus has bum, bum, a fucking bum, bum, special bum, bum, frequency bum. to Quark's
1: bar. This show has already jumped the shark. Yeah. Why does the Grand Nagus... Never mind.
0: You're right, he calls him on the back. <sighs>
1: uh, all the various rules of acquisition, which don't ever really tell us anything new about the Ferengi, they just reinforce that they want profit and have developed all kinds of cultural norms to make that way of life possible. Um, The Dozi are like... Klingon merchants? Right?
0: In the sense that they're, like, uh, rough and violent.
1: But they really, instead of only caring about honor and battle, they only care about negotiation.
0: But trade is what they care about, yeah.
1: Yeah, They're um, they're also like Star Wars in that they're all one... All the aliens are exactly the same. That's right. They're all the same guy. Tula berries. Uh, Okay, some stuff about Ferengi culture here, ladies. The... All right, all the stuff about ladies we've already discussed. I'm not going to go over all of it again. I think some guy wrote about this stuff in Elizabethan times. What was that guy's name?
0: It was, could there be? Marlo. Could it have been someone who was well known at all? Or? Reminds
1: me of the time uh, at the Patriot Ledger where the, the editor's son was allowed to write a column every week, and the one we always drew straws to see who was unlucky enough to have to edit it because the guy was a mouth breather. And he wrote the, he wrote he he was referring to Richard the Third, and he goes, as a famous guy once said, somebody get me a horse. And we were just like, what are we even supposed to do with this? We're going to have to rewrite the whole article for this to make it to press. As a famous guy once said, somebody get me a horse? And we were just, I, oh. <sighs> anyway, <clears throat> Frankie, you're about level with 1990s humans in terms of homophobia,
0: right? Yep. Oh, Quark has a big case of the non-gays. Don't worry about it. Uh, even ten years later in Enterprise times, they still have it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we saw the two non-gays at uh, at RISA. Two yep. non-gays at Risa. That's part of the... Uh, that's that's one of the Darmok yeah.
0: languages. Yeah.
1: The Karama, the Dominion, uh, a sort of vague understanding of their power in the Gamma Quadrant, but no one knows much more than that. Yep. All of the things in there combined... I'm so afraid I'm being too charitable, but I really felt this was a six. All right. I felt like there was so much about the Ferengis, who, again, we know are going to come back way more times than we want them to, a lot of stuff about various races and sort of general framework of the the, the Gamma Quadrant. Um, and the various ways in which this show jumped the shark.
0: <clears throat> well, um, then why don't we just get right into it and you can tell me how great you thought the characterization was in this episode.
1: One point. <laughs> Dax plays Tongo with the Ferengi residents of the station. She also puts up with sexual her- harassment almost as well as Dr. Crusher. Almost. Um,
0: oh, she's almost as good-humored about it as Dr. Crusher, that's true. Uh,
1: Jesus, more really natural acting by Armin Shimmerman as Quark. Why did they only hire one actor?
0: Like, he's the... Yep. Oh,
1: in that first scene where she's like, don't you wish? And he's like, I do. I really do. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yep. hey, that was an actor.
0: Yep. Um,
1: but seriously, though, he recreated Dax's childhood bedroom in an attempt to seduce her?
0: It's a weird miss, right? That
1: is a new level of creepiness, and Quark has reached so many levels.
0: Also, which childhood? Is it Jadzia's? Oh yeah, good what point. She
1: is it Tobin? Be weird. It's a good it's all
0: very good. These are very, very good questions.
1: Quark is a pilot, apparently. Um, he's also at least capable of developing romantic feelings for a man even if he is scared and ashamed of it. That's right. Rom is dumb, sexist and jealous. Finally, one likable character. There he is, right there. Um, I guess we get to start counting Zek in these characterizations, right?
0: That's a fair point. This is his second appearance All right, now.
1: so let's start with this. Serial harasser and silly old man.
0: Yep, that's right.
1: So Kira is even worse at diplomacy than Cisco. But at least she... Yeah,
0: but why should she have to put up with that nonsense?
1: At least she appeared in this episode. She hasn't been in them for a while.
0: <laughs> that's right, she just wasn't even in the last one. <laughs>
1: She also hates the Frankie as much as most humans do. Um, is Odo playing a game with Rom, or did he just do that cliche and zone out while lamenting that he doesn't have a brother, but he wouldn't ever let anything come between them if he did? I,
0: I have no idea what that was.
1: Was he just fucking with him in order to uh, mess up the their relationship? the only scene
0: in the episode Odo's in. <sighs> he, he shows up there and they have a discussion out of nowhere about it. <laughs> yep. But he has given Rom the idea to go ransack a place. That's what I'm
1: saying. Is it? Did he make him do that, or is he just like? I don't know. Is he just being a cliche? I
0: think it. I think it's probably he's just being a cliche. And they were like, "Well, we have two lines for Bashir in sick bay. We got Everyone's after gotta Quark, get one after Quark passes out. Mm-hmm. We need something for Odo to do. I think O'Brien might have said, here comes the Ferengi ship,' or something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your Grandpa is a ship.
1: It. Is it docking bay, docking port? No, three? no,
0: Jake, no Nog, no Keiko. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Anyway, it was a one. I gave it all a big one. Everyone in the yeah. fucking show is horrible.
0: Uh, I felt like Quark was a little fast to get into business with Pell, yeah. given the way he treats Rom and the other Ferengi waiters.
1: Well, maybe he was mad hard for Pell.
0: Yeah. I guess it's uh, just part of Dax's character now that she likes shitty dudes.
1: That's also great for women.
0: <laughs> so she has one great.
1: character trait.
0: Uh, Kira's plot really went nowhere, but at least uh, she's more or less herself in this episode. Right. No one else is really in it. I gave it four.
1: Oh, okay. So we we, flip, we flipped on that. I was given more points than the other ones. That's true.
0: <clears throat> um, Why don't you
1: do some quickies?
0: Yeah. Uh... Did they invent Tongo so they wouldn't have to explain anything about how Dabo is played? I was half afraid
1: that they were just gonna. One of them was gonna shout Tongo.
0: Or, or was it like, (laughs) did someone already have in mind? Now we've seen Dabo. It's some kind of roulette, and we wanted to be playing some kind of poker instead.
1: Different weird poker, like, but like poker mixed with like Monopolies or something.
0: Uh, Then I wrote. I don't know how long I can pretend I don't know. Pell is a woman. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, but then I said, "I guess we always do quick hitters at the end, so it's okay that I just wrote that."
1: <laughs> Good. This is getting meta. Uh,
0: then uh, when the dose I showed up, I said, "I guess the Gamma Quadrant is still living in uh, TOS times because the makeup that these old dudes have on—yeah, they just are—they just have their faces painted red with white dots on them, and they just talk in deep voices, and they
1: wear like hooded jumpsuits." Yeah,
0: they are. They're basically right out of the TOS makeup department.
1: Yep, just some face paint. That's it.
0: Uh, Then I wrote, for real, why would Pal fall in love with Quark? Is there... Are there, like, a lot of things we haven't seen between them? Or does she just have a copy of the script?
1: I think it might be the script. Because it's, like... I know she's not a crusader for women's rights. We've already talked about that. So it's not like the things about Quark will yes, necessarily fine. deter she, her. But...
0: She might be attracted to conventional Ferengi or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, Like, she just wants a big meathead bruiser. For sure. Or yeah. whatever the ladies on the Jersey Shore say. A gorilla? I forget what they like down there. <laughs> Something
1: that sounds like you wouldn't like it, but they definitely yeah. like it.
0: Um, But, like, all we have seen is him... Sort of failing in negotiations by the point she falls in love with him. Yeah. So even if that's what she likes, I don't know. She likes the way he says shitty things about women at the card table.
1: Oh, well, I mean, kind of works for Dax.
0: Hey, there's no way Zack travels around in that little Ferengi shuttle, right? He's
1: like, I can We talked about this last time. What is his role and what does it mean? Is he the president? Is he something else? I don't know. I don't know what he Cause, is.
0: Because that's the shuttle... That's the shuttle that them old boys went through the wormhole in in the Price. That's
1: right. We haven't gotten to that one yet, but that is correct. (laughs) Yeah, that's their Type 2 shuttle or whatever.
0: I've seen it before. That's a two-man shuttle. So it's just him and Mayhardu in there?
1: Yep. And then we see Quark and what's-her-name in it, too. It's the same thing. It's just a two-person shuttle.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know the writers are lazy.
1: Yes, we all know. But
0: it makes no sense that the Ferengi spent all their time quoting their most important book at each other
1: yeah, they only made one book. Their great culture make, created one book.
0: Hey dog, you know what my favorite psalm is? 23.: Oh uh,
1: yeah, I've heard I've heard that one. Uh, like a lot, it's getting kind of old. yeah. It's all about fucking Le- Leviticus.:
0: Why would Pell say to quark rhetorically, "Is wearing clothes a crime if it's a crime?
1: Good, good question.
0: He says, you're wearing clothes. She says, is that a crime? And he says, as a matter of fact, it is. What?
1: She didn't know, maybe. What? What? <laughs> she she never knew that. What, though? <laughs> maybe, maybe she's just ignorant of the law.
0: And then, of course, at the end, Quark has to lose his Gamma Quadrant profit share, because this is episodic TV.
1: Yeah, if he was rich, then the next episode would be different. And they yep. can't have that. Though okay. he does have a bat phone with the Grand Nagus, so...
0: <sighs> also, I was. Uh, by the way, I was super expecting uh, when Dax has her little replimat talk with Pell that she would say, "So you're a woman," but no, she was just like, "I figured out that you're in love with Quark." Mm-hmm. And then when she says, "He doesn't even know I'm a woman," Dax goes, "You're a woman."
1: Yeah, double take. Yeah.
0: But what? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. She. She figured out gay. She didn't. She didn't figure out lady.
0: Yeah. No, she's only lived eight or nine lives and been both genders. How could she possibly figure out <laughs> what Shakespeare play she was looking at? <laughs> uh,
1: well,
0: you must have some quick hitters, and I got a little bit of math to do. I
1: suppose I do. Uh, oh, great. Some DS9 slice of life stuff. Morn is asleep on the promenade again. Oh, goody.
0: Uh, sleeping is prohibited on the promenade, by the way.
1: Then I write, oh, I remember this one. God damn it.
0: Yep. It made me very mad, too.
1: I uh, still can't get enough of these short Ferengi jackets, though. I wonder how they would look on a human. I know. I fucking
0: love those mariachi cut jackets that they wear. Do they?
1: Does anyone in the show ever dress up like a Ferengi? I want to see what it looks like on a human. So
0: is there? Is there like a cool episode where Jake wears Ferengi clothes and he's like real? Oh, tall, they do though? like a
1: switcheroo, like where Nog wears like a yeah, Starfleet yeah, jumpsuit, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be amazing. Oh, I wonder if they'll do that. Yikes! To these fake Eastern Europeans in their face paint. Um, yep. I don't think the Ferengi are a race, Dax. I think they're a species. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, boy, that is a discussion just just not worth having because <laughs> they are treated—they are—they're being treated like a race in the nineteenth-century view of race, anyway. So <laughs> yeah.
1: she literally calls them a race, and I—well, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to do about this. Uh, this little lady puts on that little weasel voice the whole time. I guess because a dude her size would probably be a weasel, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had Best Actor Wallace Shawn for his reaction to Pell being a lady. Ah! A female! He is yeah. very frightened.
0: Good old Wally Shawn.
1: And I have MVP, Quark, and a Quark episode.
0: Yeah, and I have Best Actor Quark and Worst Actor Rom.
1: Well, Rom's not great.
0: He's just, he's not... I know that they have got him playing the dumbest, worst character, mm-hmm. but he's not even good at getting across Rom's motivations.
1: That's true. That's absolutely
0: like, true. Like, fine if they're dumb and bad, but let me figure out what they are. Yep. All right, do? Uh, Matt, I gave this uh, 14 points. You gave it 19. Whoa! Uh, that's a total of 33. It's a big difference. That's pretty far off mm-hmm. for us to be five points different. Um, so ahead of the child not uh, not up to the standard of errand of mercy though okay um, but there are two more to go this week uh, including uh, Voyager this week we watched maneuvers
1: I did it I'm the one who did it. <laughs>
0: Uh we start with Chakotay and Bolana, and they have been playing hoverball mm, sexy, but they get called to the bridge uh because Voyager is receiving a federation hailing signal um Don't worry about that though it's immediately <laughs> revealed to just be a Kazon raider and it fires on them, and they're just they have a fight where the Kazon are just one step ahead of Voyager all the way yeah, and uh they send a they send an old bo- boarding party on board. Mm-hmm. And Tuvok only takes two security guards down to deal with this boarding party, so of course they uh, they get right into the transporter room and steal up a transporter module. Yeah. So it turns out it was a technology raid. Right. Uh, Voyager catches them in a tractor beam, which causes uh, First Maj Kula and uh, our old Francesca, Fresca's now in Cardassian back. makeup, uh, to call and gloat, and uh, then they escape. And Neelix says, "You know what? Fuck it, just just let him go." <laughs> uh, but Janeway doesn't want stolen Federation technology to destabilize the Delta Quadrant.
1: Right.
0: So they go chasing after him, and Shigote and Bolana are working on some unorthodox tactics to deal with Seska because uh, she successfully infiltrated the Maquis and then the Federation. They they think she's uh. Smarter than them, and they're right,
1: she thinks they think she's a regular kuang Su, basically
0: yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely they think she's Lee kuang Su um uh meanwhile, we see that Kulla is negotiating uh, an alliance with other Kazon sects, and uh Voyager discovers that he has used their new transporter technology to execute some uh. Some opposing Kazon leaders. So he's putting it to good use. Uh, Then Chakotay steals a shuttle and uh, goes after them uh, to to execute the plan that uh, he and B'Elanna developed. But the it's supposed to be the whole ship. It's not supposed to be him and a shuttle. So Janeway's pissed. And uh, she's pissed at Tuvok for all of the security lapses that have been happening on Voyager. And she's pissed at Chakotay, and Torres comes to intercede on his behalf. Yeah, because we learned it in a couple weeks ago that she's got a little bit of a thing going for Chicote. Yeah. Assuming that's still the case,
1: uh, that she's got a thing in her tits. It's right in her tit area up for him. Huh?
0: Huh? It's weird. I think that works. You wouldn't think that. I
1: think that works.
0: Um, Chakotay is able to destroy the transporter technology. And he sends a beacon to Voyager, indicating that he's been successful. But like, they've still got that shuttle.
1: Mm-hmm. Full of technology. Seems
0: like a bad trade, but I guess it's okay because he wiped out the shuttle's computer. Okay. It doesn't explain what about all the hardware though. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not going to be able to figure out how to write a computer program to run that shit.
1: I don't know. I can't figure out what the on are capable of. Why are they wear those rags? I don't even care anymore.
0: Because he gave them like. I know that shuttle has a replicator on it. Yeah. You know that it does. Yep. Anyway.
1: It might even have booze on it. Just a bottle he of booze. Sends a,
0: he sends a, this beacon to Voyager saying, don't attempt to rescue me. And Janeway considers it. Like, she considers not going after him. Yeah. But then Torres says it'd be bad for morale or whatever, and she eventually relents. Right, And for a minute, they have a plan to just like do a warp beam out and get him out of there without a fight, but it also immediately doesn't work, so a lot of stuff in this episode is just a waste of your time.
1: Yep, they couldn't write 42 minutes, that's a lot.
0: Uh, Just like a, a bunch of little tiny setbacks. They do have to drop out and fight. They can't find Chicote, but instead, Voyager beams all of the Kazon leaders over, because they were in the middle of another one of these alliance talks. Yeah. And uh, basically trades their lives for Chicote and the return of the shuttle. Yeah. Janeway puts Chicote on report for insubordination, and uh, Seska calls, again, to tell them that she stole his DNA and that she's <laughs> pregnant now.
1: God. Yep.
0: I cannot, I could not believe it when that happened.
1: It's, uh, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. We're gonna get so into this. Deep.
0: What's the, what's this whole episode about, Matt?
1: I consult my notes. can't remember offhand what this episode could possibly be about. Okay, um, in the military, or Starfleet, there's no such thing as carrying your own burden, dude. Chakotay gets swept up in this Vendetta mission, and it's up to his crewmates to back him up, because no one's really working alone. And also, the negative side effects of his decisions that Janeway talks about, those are gotta worry about those, too. So, you know, you're all... There's no such thing as, like, being a maverick out there. Everyone's gotta work together. An idea that is uh, usually referenced in any TV show about the workplace, but especially when it's military <laughs> or space military. Uh-huh. Let um, yes. me give it a four. Just well, for being basic. Well, I gave it a four. Basic.
0: I gave it a four, also. I was a little bit less eloquent. <laughs> When I wrote basically the same thing because I just wrote "Don't try to be a dang hero all the time." Yeah,
1: stop that, Chagote. You think you are anyway? I seen you in that um, movie about zombies, that teen movie about zombies from nineteen eighty-eight or whatever.
0: Hey, in an episode of TNG that we shit on, yeah, uh, called "Too Short a Season." Yes, this same idea was there.
1: That's true. But what did we say in that one was about?
0: It was handled a little bit better.
1: But is that what we said it was about?
0: I don't even remember I, what might have been what I said it was about. Mm. What fucking week was too short of I don't thing? even remember what I said what
1: I fucking said it
0: was. Uh that was uh well, no, was a week.
1: Something about uh, his mission to
0: Week fifteen. Yeah, maybe that is
1: what I said it was about. His mission to, to fix the shit that he had done bad the first time around.
0: Yeah. Uh what was my take for week fifteen? God, that was week
1: fifteen? Uh, yeah. Feels like it was I wrote, ten months uh, ago. Uh,
0: Who bears responsibility for putting right the mistakes of the past? Question mark. Mm, Yeah. So, yeah, that was the ballpark we were playing in there, too. Yep. So, um, wasn't particularly new then, and it's not... You're right. Don't Be a Maverick is basically the premise of every lethal weapon Mm -hmm. type scenario. Yeah. Yes. And, um... Boy, execution-wise, I do think that they stepped in it also this one. All right, good. This let's, one. let's see it. So uh, there aren't any stakes to Chikoté's actions.
1: Well, I guess we're Voyager supposed
0: to think- loses nothing because of his dumb plan, and he doesn't even get punished. Oh, yeah,
1: in the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> oh, hold, worst, hold on, hold on. The worst
0: on. consequence... Okay, go ahead. What do you mean Maybe he doesn't I'm get wrong. punished? Hey, well, he gets well he gets put on report Thank which you. Janeway immediately says if that even means anything out here
1: i gave her i gave her credit for that because that is something that Picard would have said in all seriousness like it meant something he would have said i yes. I, I put you on official report or whatever and you would have supposed to believe that that was like the worst thing that could happen
0: yeah that's right when he puts Worf, um i mean <laughs> if it ever happens yeah, if that ever... someone gets put on report for something that happens <laughs> in uh In one of these shows. It's going on
1: your permanent record, dog! It
0: it will be treated seriously.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad that she asked that question.
0: Uh, The worst consequence uh, that I found in this episode was that B'Elanna had to spend a little bit of political capital with Janeway.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that would have been much worse for B'Elanna if it hadn't all worked out in the end.
0: But the the main thing here is uh, that it is beyond dumb. It is the dumbest thing probably so far in Voyager. That when they have the leaders of four Kazon sects hostage, they don't even attempt to recover Seska.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, yeah that is very dumb. B-
0: beyond dumb. They, that's the stupid... They get Chakotay back, they get the shuttle back. They don't even ask
1: for Seska. They know that she is interfering
0: heavily. They just leave her out there to be a recurring villain.
1: Well, not only to be a recurring villain, but if they're, if there's something called the Prime Directive...
0: She is violating it a hundred percent. It
1: is her entire mission to violate the prime directive, and you brought her there, so you better do something about that. Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Just no attempt at all. So I gave it a three for execution. Because okay. that's glaring to me. Yeah. Alright. It's like, hey, she's not Kazon. She doesn't live with the Kazon. She doesn't belong. She is a Cardassian who infiltrated you and then escaped. You should try to get her back. Yeah. When you have this, like, maybe it's not worth going out of your way to chase her down. But in this scenario, he would have given her back. Yeah,
1: they absolutely would have. What do they mean? What does she mean to them? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So here's what I have written. I, I like it when there's a clever and worthy adversary, as long as Starfleet isn't just botching the job. So I was fine with that commando raid that they do in the beginning. I'm like, okay, I get it. Maybe Fresca's some kind of super genius, and we just didn't know.
0: Whatever. Or they're just not thinking about it, and she has planned this and yeah. executed it. So you are seeing a plan going off against someone's unplanned reactions. Yeah. And Janeway chastises Tuvok for how things go anyway, so...
1: Right. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm into it. Let's... Uh, fine. Let's see where this goes. What I'm less into is that we are being asked to care about Chicote and Seska. Yeah. And their romantic past... And this relationship, and I boy, I could not care less about that. Or really anything else about Chicote, and that's the writer's fault, the writers of this show. If you want us to care about anything learned... to do with Chicote, you need to write Chicote better.
0: Even when we learn about his past, though we do it in the form of off putting flashbacks where he's a whiny kid. Yep,
1: and which and then which are they say baffling things about Native Americans.
0: Yeah, That is true also.
1: Yeah, everything about that was so bad. Um <sighs> For once, the biggest problem for Voyager wasn't that the crew is terrible and I hate them or that it's a horror episode. The The plot progressed in kind of a weird way that had some, some real good plot holes. For example, they take Chakotay at his word when his message says that he's destroyed the transporter module, yep. making the quandary whether to rescue him or not. But, like, why assume that isn't a ploy of frescas to make you stop looking?
0: That's a very good
1: point. And can you explain Janeway's final trick in this episode? If she could just beam the dang dudes over whenever she wanted, what is so scary about the Kazon? Just as soon as you see them, just beam the dummies into the brig and be done with it.
0: That's a very good point. Why Why fight them at all? After she beamed those four of them over, why didn't she just beam all of the rest of
1: them Yeah, I beamed all of the Kazon into the brig. It's very crowded in there, but now there are no Kazon to fight. Like, why even shoot at them? I could not understand when she goes, I've got one more trick up my sleeve. And then she beams them over. I go, wait a minute. That's on the you table? Just, you could have done that at any time, though. That is insane to me that we have like 15 minutes of action sequences in this episode when all they need to do is beam over the people. Ugh. Yeah. Um, still, the Kazon raid was kind of fun in the beginning, and Chakotay's terrible character inconsistencies happened to make his character more interesting this time around. By that, I mean he's been like a peace-loving little wiener the whole time, and suddenly in this episode, he's like James Bond or something. Um, he's
0: like James Bond in that he sucks at his job, and he just gets lucky. He
1: sucks at his job, and he gets lucky, and also in the interrogation, he's real like, I fucked your lady.
0: Oh, he really is nasty in that interrogation. He's
1: really fucking good when I put my penis in your girlfriend, and you're like, what? Oh, is this Chakotay? I'm very confused about this. Um, yep. Still one of the better voyagers I've seen recently, Execution 4.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Look, I gave it a three. I don't think it's a four, is an unreasonable place to be. <laughs> World building. Uh,
1: the KZONs are still around. I don't think Voyager's moving through the quadrant very quickly.
0: No, well, again, it's, nasty. it's disastrous, right? We know that they've been there for, I guess now we know it's around 10 months. Yeah. Probably a little more than 10 months. And I guess that's because they season should be one was short. They should have gone. Uh, like 8,000 light years in that amount of time. And if... They should be so far from the Kazon. Yeah, I was gonna say... A, a race that only has existed, has only been independent for 30 years. Yeah.
1: Like they ain't had time to get out there.
0: They should be a million, million, million times beyond the boundaries of Kazon space.
1: And yet, just keep showing up, those dudes.
0: On the other hand, they haven't really been trying to get home. That's
1: what I'm saying. They're making slow. When they said 70 years to get home, no, not at this space. At this pace, you will never get home. Uh, How does structural integrity work? I like to ask these questions sometimes, just the basics of the show. If somebody told me structural integrity was at 50% and dropping, I would definitely assume the ship was broken and everyone was dead.
0: Yeah, I guess it could mean that's power to the structural integrity field. Yeah,
1: because it's not clear. So maybe
0: that limits the kind of maneuvers they can safely make?
1: Uh, Warp field, destabilized by bad ship geometry. Because they got that thing sticking out of the side and it says they, they won't be able to f- create a warp field because of that thing sticking out of the side.
0: I think that's not unreasonable, but yep. it is the first time we've heard that.
1: Kasons are not up on women's rights. That's how you know they're bad guys. Yep. All these different Kason sects and how they all relate to one another, the internal conflicts and balance of power, etc. This is by far the most... And
0: who is powerful among the Kason.
1: Yeah, this is by far the most that we get in terms of understanding what are the Kason. Yep. Uh, Enemy's Blood is kind of an on-the-nose booze name. What would be, like, real cool to drink? Enemy's Blood. No, uh, awesome sauce. Delicious (laughs) liquor.
0: Fireball cinnamon whiskey. (laughs) Like,
1: having sex with a supermodel who's also Jesus. No, you're right. Enemy's Blood was good. Let's go with Enemy's Blood.
0: We're just gilding the lily now. Um, Enemy's Blood was it.
1: And then I have, wait, it's only been ten months. I'm so confused about how these seasons work. But maybe it's because season one was really short. I don't know. Uh, So I gave it a six.
0: Well, um, I had given it as many as five, in fact. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, One of those is a continuity point. Ooh. Because there's a lot of continuity in this episode. Fresca related? And Voyager has not shown so much continuity yeah. that I'm... That I'm done giving points for it yet. I think Enterprise is not going to get many more continuity points because they've demonstrated that that's part of the series.
1: Yeah, uh, is this continuity stuff directly Fresco related or? Yeah,
0: this is, this is Seska stuff, and okay. I guess the K is on to some degree. But
1: yeah,
0: um, Hoverball. Okay. Scheduled code changes. Oh, okay. So they when they when they are doing the business with the beacon at the beginning. The code that's in use was not scheduled to enter rotation until a month after they left Deep Space Nine. So right. That's something about how Federation encryption works.
1: Basically, the little thing comes up on their on their taskbar or whatever, and it says you need to change your password in the next 10 days.
0: Yep, that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, hydrogen clouds are somehow dangerous. Right. Um, well, they are. If you're on fire, an, probably punching an opening in a shield that has a physical diameter. I think this is the first time we've seen shields work that way.
1: Yeah, they shoot a hole, and then the shuttle flies right through that right. dang old hole.
0: Anti-proton beams wipe computers. Most of the world building here is about the Kazon, and the Kazon power structure. Mm. I gave it a five total. Okay. Uh, characterization, I also gave a five. Janeway is a little bit more season one in this episode, concerned with crew morale and people's job performance, not just her hollow novel <laughs> yep uh Chicote <Chakotay>, we're <coughs> learning might not be a good commander
1: we'll have lo- I have lots to say about this yep
0: uh Torres has a crush on Chicote, but I didn't notice it didn't seem like any of this uh sesca talk was really bothering her.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure how much of that was being carried over, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. we already knew they were close because they she were. She goes Ma to Kings. bat
0: for him twice yeah. in this episode, but that could just be because she was on his ship.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it could be because she has the hots for him. I just they they had opportunities to make her, uh, show that more. Maybe the actor sucks. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, I had given it a 5. How about you?
1: Oh, that was it. Okay. Um all right. Oh, yeah.
0: Most of the crew is not in this one. Kim, Paris, the doctor. The doctor, I'm not even sure if he appears. Kes.
1: Check this one out. Chicote and Bellona are old friends who know each other's quirks. Also, one of them wants to fuck the other. Yeah. Chicote is obviously going to have to find a way to overcome his need for vengeance and redemption, and now Chicote has made the incredibly rash and stupid decision to go off by himself and finish it. I can't get a read on this old boy, but I know his character sucks. I appreciate Chakotay's anti-interrogation techniques, but when did he become James Bond? He's a wuss every other episode, and suddenly he's fucking '90s action star in that interrogation scene.
0: Well, we saw his butt two weeks ago. I mean, <laughs> it's been on the, it's been coming. Maybe that's when it been coming.
1: Uh, Fresca done space these two fools. That's how we know she's a bad guy. Am I a bad guy for thinking about what a tough road it's been for Fresco?
0: She's really has had a hard time. She
1: accepts a patriotic spy mission to infiltrate a terrorist organization. Yep. she gets sucked to the other side of the galaxy with an unfamiliar and likely hostile crew to both her Maki cover or her actual Cardassian origins. yep she tries to smooth over relations with the Kazon by trading technology and then has to avoid brig time in Starfleet by defecting at this point. she's just trying to get a w right
0: yep. And she's got to do sexual espionage to do it. Yeah. And that's what she was doing with Chakotay.
1: Yeah. Also, she's definitely a damned liar about that whole impregnating herself with Jacoté's weird old sperms, right? Like, is this obvious manipulation uh, to the point that the characters should have all made the wanking motion when that came up on the screen?
0: Uh, no. So, my, I mean, I don't know. My assumption is that... uh the uh terrible writers of this terrible show are all a bunch of men's rights activists. Oh yeah, who they are. Constantly feel like a woman is trying to trap you all the time. Yeah,
1: because uh, that has happened to them a million times cuz they're so yeah, popular. Yeah, because with the, the women are dying to uh-huh. get their seed,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, Uh so I just assume it was uh, <laughs> just the just the worst thing that a bunch of shitty misogynistic dudes could think of.
1: Yeah, okay, maybe that's what it is. Um Jane Wait
0: How do we make her sinister? What if she um,
1: traps him in a relationship he doesn't want to be in?
0: What if if she put his sperm in a turkey baster and shot it up her pie? Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: I think that would make her pretty unlikable. I have to
0: agree. Yeah, that's the worst thing a woman can do, so.
1: Janeway doesn't appreciate that her first officer skirted regulations and went rogue. But how could she have seen that coming when his Starfleet record's been spotless to this point? Oh. (laughs)
0: Uh, but uh, so seriously, uh, Janeway is really handicapped at this point, right? Yeah. Tuvok is not good at his job. No. And he's not good at other jobs, such as teaching.
1: I think they thought because he was a Vulcan, this was some racist shit. I think they thought That's a right. Vulcan like, would just oh, be good. Vulcan. He's just yeah. gonna be good at stuff.
0: Uh, she's got Chakotay, who is at best kind of a sycophant, mm-hmm. but definitely has no boundaries with his own crew.
1: Yeah, he'll just punch him right in the noggin.
0: Yep. And uh I I assume at this point her infatuation with his spirit guide or whatever is wearing off. Yep. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, probably. She, she's got Torres who has another whole set of issues, but at least she kinda won her over by also being good at engineering. Yes, yeah,
1: she has a skill.
0: Yeah. Uh she's got a fucking uh whiny hologram doctor. And she's got two weird aliens that come to her with problems all the time. And she
1: has Garrett Wayne.
0: And she's got Tom Paris, a guy who she thought was gonna be the only misfit on her crew. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that she was probably gonna get rid of as soon as the mission was over. And then she's got a uh way too fresh faced ensign.
1: Yeah, she really has not, not she's got nothing working right now.
0: Yeah. I think that's why she goes to the holodeck so often.
1: I had that sentence written as um say it the way Plinkett would say it. His record has been spotless to this point. Oh. 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 Uh -oh. (laughs) At least she bothers to suggest that putting somebody on report doesn't mean a damn thing as we talked about. Uh, I gave it four. Four whole points.
0: Um, I forget who's supposed to go first on the, uh, Quick hitters.
1: Uh, well, if I did characterization second, did you, did you already give your characterization? Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's so it's you. me. It's I'm, you. I'm quick mine. hitters. Um, kind of seems like Tom Paris's suggestion in this teaser that maybe Starfleet got a probe out here. Maybe they're looking for us. sounded It sounded really sarcastic to me, but I think that's because the actor now cannot tell when he's supposed to turn off that whole Nick lacarno thing.
0: That's a good point. Because
1: I think that was supposed to be a real suggestion, but he said it like it was sarcastic. <laughs>
0: We hired you to keep playing a character that had eight minutes of screen time before, so <laughs> now you got to play it for seven. I guess seasons. we want you to keep being him forever.
1: Yep. Um, uh, this old Kazan is very charming. He was kind of like Core. Uh, what's his name? Kola. Um, yes, Kala. Chakotay. Thank you for saying that. Chicote's brilliant trick is one that Seska has already famously used right in front of him. That's how he's going to outsmart her.
0: That's, That's right. what he says to He's her. He's going to do something she knows how to do. <laughs>
1: he says to her, remember that thing Seska did that one time? What if
0: we use that again? That's him? our brilliant plan to get her. Well, the thing she's guaranteed to know how to the do. The thing
1: she knows how to do and she knows you saw her do. That's what we're going to do. Okay, sure. That's yeah. the one I think. Um, isn't it better to hold Seska hostage and stall for more time? He just hands his phaser over for no damn reason.
0: It's right. That's right.
1: Then in the next shot, he's trying to fight off the guards.
0: It doesn't make any sense. Well, well,
1: just I'll keep him held hostage for a while. And maybe Voyager will show up. I'm just... Okay. Janeway to Tom. Yeah. Just Tom.
0: Yep. The computer always knows what to do with those. Okay.
1: Then in the heat of battle, it's back to Mr. Paris. <laughs> evasive maneuvers, <laughs> Mr. Paris! Would have been to
0: shorten it to Tom. Like, what is going on? Or you could just what? say evasive maneuvers. He's the one who's going to yeah, do
1: Yeah! I... Uh... I know it's small, Again, but it baffles
0: very bad baffles writing. me.
1: <laughs> and then we talked about Janeway's Masterstroke, which is to beam over dudes. Um, MVP Janeway, I guess? She was written to be the one with the smart plans in this episode. Because yeah. she's the winner.
0: Oh, boy, we've covered a lot about what I thought about this episode already. But uh, was this the uh, shortest cold open in Voyager history? Or in Star Trek history? And also, was it the worst? <laughs>
1: it was very bad.
0: How fucking trite is the name Hoverball? It, the, call it, having the sport that they play be Hoverball would be a joke in Futurama.
1: Exactly correct. Why not call it, um, fucking Space Net.
0: Look, this is like, in TNG, at this point, we had already established Parisi Square. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. That's right. But, but it's sort of tantalizing.
1: Yeah, you see, you, we, know we know that s- kids
0: shouldn't play. We it. see
1: their outfits.
0: We they have outfits. It's obviously something that's important. Hoverball, yeah. Oh, Hover Hover
1: yeah. well, what, what are you gonna play today? Oh, we're playing some space net. It's it's like a future net sport, but don't worry about it.
0: Oh, we're playing future ball. Yeah,
1: it's like just
0: shut. Well, up. Why do we call it that now? Yeah. Um, Seska was an engineer, so it makes sense that she could help with this raid, and all the technology and shit. Yeah. Also, she was a Maquis. But how is she restoring her Cardassian physiology? Do the Kazon have that technology?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, this is a very good question. I don't think they would have given her all of that information. Like, they would have just expected her to come back to Cardassia and get restored. They would. It would not have been something right. she would have been intimately familiar with.
0: Does she just know us how to do important plastic surgery on herself and can do it with the kazon technology yeah, maybe
1: that's part of their really cool obsidian they don't have
0: replicators so
1: <laughs> really cool obsidian order spy training includes how to just on the fly change your physiology or whatever
0: she just got like some pipes in her face
1: <sighs> yeah i wonder what they wonder, she probably couldn't find the good stuff so i wonder what it's made out of right your case on scramble.
0: uh Tuvok always burning Chicote. Doug, you know the pipes um, in her
1: face are made out of steel that won't harden, and she's going to be really disappointed because she's using the excavator, <laughs> but she didn't use the right part, and she's right, not going to know. She used the
0: bucket, which is mild she steel, won't know she should have used one of the teeth. Until
1: she goes in to get to do the heat treat, whether or not this is going to work. That's uh, right. the file test is going to be an embarrassment.
0: Uh, Tuvok burning Chicote by uh, saying that he had intimate knowledge of Saska.
1: They are arch enemies since five episodes ago, if you remember
0: uh well what else I might have been it. <laughs> Um, i gave uh i gave uh best actor to culler for being so garrick like i wish they were just garrick that
1: he that he wanted to devour whoever he was talking to well, yes know.
0: and i gave uh worst actor to culler for the one shot where he spikes the lens,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He like gives a sideways look right into the camera lens. <laughs> yeah.
1: I wonder what happened on set there. Did they go? That was just so cool. We have to keep it in, because it was not
0: cool. Um, but he does. He does have that intense look in his eyes, like he wants to devour everybody that he's talking to. Yeah. So, I like it in Garrick. I like it in him. Matt, I gave this uh, seventeen points. You gave it eighteen. Uh, that's 35. Wow, that's
1: not bad for Voyager. Which
0: is a big improvement for Voyager, who's running at an average of 28. Um, but it's not enough to pass Errand of Mercy. Oh boy. So if any show is going to do it this week, it's going to have to be Enterprise. We watched Shockwave Part 2.
1: Marjon unironically likes that song. Okay. <clears throat> um I'm just literally going to read this off of Wikipedia cuz I can't even bother to remember what happened. With Archer gone, <laughs> Tpol chooses to surrender the ship to the Suliban to let them verify his disappearance. They do not find any trace of Archer, but they retrieve their data disks and detect a temporal signature in the turbo lift. Meanwhile, in the 31st century, remember that's where he got all su- he got sucked off to at the end of last episode. Dan- do sucked off. Got, that's, where, that's where Daniel sucked him off. Daniels realizes that there's no available technology to send Archer back, and because of this, the timeline has been disrupted. Archer, however, gives Daniels his communicator and scanner, allowing Daniels to make a device able to contact Enterprise, because that's something they learn how to do in high school. The Sulaban take Enterprise to a nearby Helix, and Silic, that's his name, right? Silic mm-hmm. interrogates... Teepole to learn where Archer has gone, but she knows little. When t return to her quarters, Archer contacts her and gives her instructions on how to bring him back. Meanwhile, Tucker is able to set up a communication link between the senior staff, and they plan an escape. The plan begins when two Suliban find Teepole acting strangely and are knocked out by Reed and Ensign Mayweather. Reed then goes to Daniel's quarters to retrieve a futuristic device, but is caught by the Suliban. During interrogation, he tells Silik that Archer gave him orders to destroy the device, to prevent him from using it to get in touch with the Sulabon's contact from the future. That shadow guy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Silic then tries to contact his master, but he only succeeds in bringing Archer back. Oh, dang! Daniel's and Archer, having managed to set up a device that allows them to return Archer to his time, using the communication device as a target. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, a faked warp core breach is initiated, forcing the Sulabon to evacuate the ship. As soon as they are freed, Enterprise goes to warp, pursued by Suleban ships. Archer destroys Daniel's device and, having taken Sillic hostage, secures their escape. The reunited crew present their proof to Starfleet Command and the Vulcans. That old douchebag Soval still recommends cancellation of the mission.
0: That's not in No, Wikipedia. I don't know.
1: I mean, it says that Adam <laughs> has Crohn's disease, so you don't know. But Arch-
0: Have you started editing Wikipedia?
1: <laughs> but Archer promises that humanity will learn from their mistakes. Teeple supports him, adding that the Vulcans should learn from their mistakes as well. Oh, snap. Soval exits, and it is decided that Enterprise's mission will continue for now. So, this must have had a really strong take, right?
0: People can learn from their mistakes if you give them the opportunity to do so. Oh, (laughs) boy. No, I actually gave it a five. What?
1: (laughs) Wait, was that borne out in the episode, or is that just something they said at the the end?
0: The the last 15 minutes are all about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Um, What did you think it was?
1: (laughs) I really struggled for a take here. Uh, I didn't get that at all. I mean, I heard that sentence, but... Other than the same as last week, which is just an unflinching confidence in the rightness of your cause. Which I gave one point for that carryover. I gave it one. So, hmm. Where were they, where were we supposed to take away that somebody learned from something?
0: So, what we know is that if Enterprise is allowed to continue its mission. Everything that we like will happen. Oh,
1: well, yes, obviously, otherwise the show would be cancelled.
0: Right? But, like, without, without <coughs> Archer, without the mission, there's no Federation. Right. We learned that in this episode. There's no electricity on Earth.
1: That seems weird.
0: Like, they have paper books again in the libraries. They got
1: turned into some... They went back... They, You know what? They were an arrested society.
0: They became an arrested society. So... so That's what will happen if Enterprise is allowed to go forward. Right. That's what the stakes are for Enterprise in this mission. And that can only happen if we overlook how bad he's done so far.
1: (laughs) I guess that part's not clear to me. That part is like, maybe he still just sucks his job for three or four more years, but, you know, then the Federation comes to exist. Despite his suckiness. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know if anybody had learned from their mistakes or if they were necessarily going to based on this episode. But...
0: Um, well, ordinarily we do an anchor thing where we swing over here, but the first line in my execution is, but shouldn't you show us people learning <laughs> from the mistakes instead of just asserting okay, I it? I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I also wrote that Daniels isn't going to tell Archer too much because he just made a big time whoopsie. So that's him learning from his mistakes. Oh,
1: well, that's good. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't, but it seems pretty inconsistent what he tells him and what he doesn't. But yes. That's yeah. true. Okay.
0: But he does say he, he just made the worst mistake in the history of time travel, and he doesn't want to compound it. He's being pretty he hard on anything. himself.
1: I mean, there's probably lots of time travel mistakes that he'll never know about. You know?
0: Now, if anyone would know about him, though, it'd be him. As far as we know, he's the only one who works for that agency. <laughs> the only one we've ever seen. <laughs> uh,
1: what, what, you can, what did you give it on execution, since you're already in it?
0: Yeah, I gave it a three. Okay. I gave it a three for execution. I found it... Um. I found uh, Hoshi's accidental nudity oh, extremely dumb. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: So she has to crawl through some vents that they they seem to think only Hoshi can fit through. But then when they show the actual set, it's big enough. Seems because like why would they design them to be there. too
1: small for anybody to go
0: in? Right. Yeah. And then when she's dropping out of a thing, oops, her tank top gets caught on something, and now she's just topless down uh-huh. there, covering her boobs with her hands. And then Reed answers the door, and she's like, "Just get me a shirt." And then it's over. And that's the only reason it's not a deduction is that the whole thing is like two seconds long. Right. But it belongs in Benny Hill. Yeah. It doesn't. Yes. Again, that sucks. How many me.
1: boobs adventures do we have to have on this? at fucking show.
0: Right. This is, it's the same as T. Paul smashing her boobs into Archer's mm-hmm. face when they're prisoners.
1: Agreed. Uh, so after the one point I gave for take, I said, this was a feel-good caper to retake the ship from bad guys and save the future. There was no real art attempted. An episode like this only works if you're already invested in the mission and the characters. Since I mostly hate these people with a side of who gives a shit, this one was sort of dull. Execution 3.
0: Okay. Well, so we agreed on execution. Do you want to, uh, anchor through here into world building? Yeah, then?
1: uh... The truth drugs, those work on Vulcans just fine. Um, In the future, you learn how to communicate with the past in high school. Which seems pretty irresponsible.
0: Seems wildly dangerous, doesn't it? We've
1: got a lot of directives about what you can do with time.
0: Seems like maybe a violation of the temporal prime directive. Seems like
1: it. Um,
0: You can build the technology to do it, but you're not allowed to do it? (laughs) Or you're only allowed to communicate to last week? I
1: just don't know. When he said that, I went, alright, fuck this.
0: All right, class, this week, we will be receiving communications from our future selves. <laughs> so I will be grading you this week. That's right. But you will then have to earn the grade over the coming it's week. It's complicated. And don't worry. If you do a bad job, you'll get a bad grade today. <laughs> so That's right. So there's nothing you can do to change it. It's all predestined. Yeah. What do the, How does that make sense?
1: When T-Paul is thrown back into her cell after her treatment, she is in a little revealing tank top. Big surprise. And that reveals that her cat suit is two pieces which I I did not know before. Um,
0: Also, uh, her sleep outfit also has a belly shirt component.
1: Yes, because logic dictates.
0: It's logical. It's logical logical to have uh, partial nudity.
1: The future device Reed pulls out is comically large. (laughs) It's like the largest game of Simon ever created.
0: I I wrote Bop It, but you're right. I was thinking of (laughs) Simon. It's
1: insanely large. It's the. It's bigger than an Etch a Sketch. It's a really big device. It's
0: a. It's a lap desk with yes. a LED tap light on one corner. Is what I was like.
1: Oh, cool! That's the from the 29th century. You say that's that's interesting. That's cool. Um, Suleban weapons look uh, very similar to Bajoran ones, so those were clearly.
0: reused, they do, don't, don't Used clearly. Maybe a reused prop. Give it a three. What do you got? I have quantum discriminators. We learned that the Suluban's handlers are from the 28th century and that they can't time travel themselves. They can only project images through time.
1: Okay, Uh, That's why Shadow Man has to do it that way?
0: We learned that, yes, that's why he has to do it that way. Because he cannot time travel himself. He can only communicate.
1: How's he going to win the temporal cold war like that?
0: by by sending the Sulaban information yeah, I know, but and putting them to That peace, other guy can but... just
1: straight do his teleportation. It's mean, mm-hmm. kind of weak.
0: Yep, They definitely seem to be at, an, at a disadvantage. I guess we should assume that the Federation are hindered by rules and stuff, uh, protocol. I got you. They have to fight honorably, which this guy doesn't. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, in future San Francisco there are monuments to the Federation but no paper books in the library. That's right. <clears throat> Uh, and we learn that uh, Silic is pretty crippled when he doesn't have orders.
1: He panics like a little fucking turd.
0: And uh, therefore we learn that he's not the real adversary here. That's true. I give it a four for world building.
1: How do you like these old characters? Our old friends from Enterprise.
0: Well, uh, let's start with t okay. Her anti-time travel stance rubs me the wrong way. She's very closed-minded about it. It's sort
1: it. of everything that's wrong with Enterprise Vulcans.
0: Yes, she's extremely dogmatic, despite the fact that there's pretty good evidence. In fact, when Sylit comes aboard and shows her the thing and says that they found temporal signatures in the uh, turbo mm-hmm. lift, she doesn't say, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> that's right. So if you know if you know what a temporal signature is, yeah, but you don't believe time travel is possible.
1: What do you think those are, and what are they for?
0: <laughs> anyway, what kind of scientist is yeah, she? Yeah, agreed. Uh, Archer is kind of a non-entity in this one. He's either asking Daniels questions about things that he shouldn't think are significant. Mm-hmm. Like, what Federation? Who are Romulans? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just, that's a weird old book.
1: Yep, <laughs> <laughs> lots of books in here.
0: He's asking questions about things that we know are significant, but he shouldn't. Right. Or he's just doing whatever he's told. Agreed. And I think that Hoshi's claustrophobia is a plot convenience.
1: I agree as well.
0: Um, but I gave it a four overall.
1: Let's see. T-Pole as captain means tough but rational decisions. Um, like allowing the Sulaban to board at will.
0: Yep. Yeah, she actually does a... I think that her actions are fairly reasonable.
1: Yeah. Uh, She also still has to struggle with her dogmatic adherence to Vulcan science. That is not an interesting struggle to me.
0: Mm, yeah
1: trip uh is a loud dummy
0: <laughs> yeah. the
1: return of the bad vulcans of enterprise like ambassador you know i didn't bother to learn his name and i know i just read it but so, so all, yeah but he plainly sucks
0: he sucks a big one and he looks like somebody and i'm trying to think of who he looks like yeah
1: uh archer and daniels what a dynamic duo a cry
0: you know what i think he's another fake sam neil i think that's what it is Just
1: a lot of fake sam neils floating around out there
0: just a bunch of fake fucking sam they Neills couldn't out get there just not being the real sam they Neill. couldn't
1: get real fucking sigmund rosenblum in here to do this shit
0: no, i guess uh
1: not. archer and daniels what a dynamic duo a crybaby and a douche um yep <laughs> did we already know hoshi is claustrophobic Because I remembered that she was a wimp about everything, so that tracks, but I wasn't sure if this was new info.
0: It doesn't turn out to matter at all. It's
1: true. She just just gropes around there and loses her shirt.
0: It just wastes 20 seconds and then her shirt comes off.
1: That's what. So I give it a two.
0: Do you think there's any chance that she was like, I want to be sexy?
1: Uh, Well, what do you do if you're in charge of Enterprise at that point? Do you say, well, you're not? Well, <laughs> do you say too bad? Like, I don't know, because I don't think you put her in topless, but that's what they did. <laughs> so you go, well, uh, you know, me too. I want to be sexy, but, you know, that's a very natural urge.
0: Uh, we, we all understand <laughs> that desire. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then you just change the subject, I guess.
0: Hit me with them quick. Nah, I feel like
1: the mission's been canceled is a lot like Diddy closing down the studio. <laughs> like I feel like it's threatened every single week, and that's what the that's what the show's about. Um, why isn't Daniels played by the guy from Arrested Development and Veep, the one who goes to Army?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I don't uh, remember his name. The character who plays is Buster Bluth, but I don't remember. His, yeah, yeah, uh...
1: that guy should play him for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, I also thought you went uh, went Will Arnett at first, and I thought I would like
1: that. <laughs> that would be a much different take on this character. He's,
0: well, they'd have to really lean into the douchiness of Daniels, <laughs> but it would make, it would work.
1: Uh, does Daniels tell Archer it's too complicated to understand because they didn't want to explain it to the viewer? Yes.
0: yes, Because yes, yes, yes. they don't have an explanation? Okay, yep. yep, 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 All yep. Right. They don't know what time travel Not is. Good. <laughs>
1: uh, Daniels' hairdo is almost as bad as his uh, fucking suit. <laughs> he got the worst fucking tiny little short bangs. I didn't know what his haircut was supposed to be. Um, there's uh, faux Murray Abraham again. That's, yep. what we, that's.
0: I still want him to just be F Murray Abraham, but that's fine. Uh,
1: Archer has to pound that copper with a rock until it's in small strips less than a millimeter thick. Good luck with that, dumb shit.
0: Yeah, that's gonna.
1: How suck. long is he gonna have to pound that copper with that rock? Less than a millimeter it, way... thick.
0: By the way, what's he going to do with those um, crude copper strips (laughs) and the inside of that skin? All,
1: like, beat up and freckled from all the rock pounding? That thing ain't going to be worth shit.
0: Uh, Yeah, he's not going to put it on a grind wheel or anything later. No,
1: they don't got no technologies or nothing. Um, When Trip is describing the location of the crew to read over his makeshift communicator, he only mentions the main characters as if they're the only crew, or the only crew that matters for takeover of the Enterprise.
0: Which is nuts. Yep. How about all of the security people? Yeah, how about... That there must just be. Just
1: everybody you can get. Just all of them, because you're going to need a lot yeah, of them.
0: Yeah, why not the other 70 people on the ship? He's just
1: like, what about Hoshi? Where's Mayweather? That's all I can remember.
0: I think that's everybody.
1: Uh, oh, hey, this time Hoshi had a boobs comedy skit. Great work, Brandon Braga, or whoever. Uh, yeah. Always elevating the art form. Uh, MVP, I'm done handing these out. Most of the time, the answer's nobody. That's it.
0: That's fun because I also forgot to write down a best actor and a worst actor for this episode, and I don't remember
1: now who was good and who wasn't,
0: who it w- who it might could be and who it might couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, just some awful blue screen on that library set. Oh, huh?
1: the worst! It was like a cutscene from a video game. It was so bad.
0: Uh, what was that control panel to get into Daniel's quarters with random three-digit numbers on every button? Like the guy hit okay. First hit two fourteen, then hit nine fifteen, yeah. then hit four zero four seven. How come there's
1: only seven of these? A lot of numbers are missing.
0: Why is that? How is that better than a regular number pad where you can just enter the number that you want to enter?
1: <laughs> this one is a much more difficult sequence of numbers.
0: Uh, to Paul's last words in this episode are: "I still don't believe in time travel," which is a insane thing to say at that is point. Is
1: she trolling? She might be trolling, right?
0: Archer jumped out of a fucking time portal <laughs> and drop kicked Silly. <Cillic. laughs> now, she didn't see that. That uh, was on the heat. Something happened. But you know he described it yeah, to her.
1: That's right. Maybe she needed to see that. Maybe only a, a time travel jump kick will convince you.
0: It's wild that that's where she ends on this. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, is it supposed to be fun that Hoshi loses her shirt? We are on the same page. Enough, Star Trek.
1: God, everyone involved in Star Trek is so bad and creepy.
0: (sighs) Yeah. And, uh, by the way, I thought that Archer was going to have trouble getting his message to T'Pol because she was still woozy from being tortured. But, no, it turns out it worked just
1: fine. I don't really know what the point of her being woozy was.
0: Yep. Uh, Just to show that torture is bad, I guess?
1: Well, good. Then they they tackled something. That's good.
0: (laughs) Cool take, cool take. Matthew, I gave this episode uh sixteen points.
1: Whoa.
0: You gave it nine Oh boy. Uh it's a total of twenty five. So that is the big loser this week, and uh Yeah, they've had bad episodes. They've had before. lots. Don't so even look at that Not worth going into, but um it uh it does mean that uh DS nine's gonna gain another eight points back. They're not too far away now from uh from becoming the third best show on our spreadsheet, I have to
1: say I've not, I did not enjoy Shockwave One and Two. Yeah, it's um, I may not, I may not enjoy the Temporal Cold War. I might think that that is nothing.
0: If the Temporal Cold War was done well, it could be interesting. But it is always going to be trouble to introduce it in the fifth of five series. Yeah,
1: because someone else probably should have heard about it.
0: Right. Yeah. Unless like, it's all erased from telling- time at the end. Enterprise does time travel; they do do it. Mm -hmm. TOS does time travel about three, four times, and then TNG they do it at least once. Right, and it just doesn't come up. They're not like, "Well, we're going back in time, so let's review some of the major time travel events." (laughs)
1: Right. It's just DS9 goes back in time two, three, four times. Voyager does it. It's
0: like there was plenty of room to play here. There's the Earth-Romulan War.
1: I mean, right? let's be honest. Tuvok wears a do-rag, so... Uh,
0: I didn't want to think about that.
1: <laughs> so we all have our time travel oh, adventures. Uh,
0: let me just say this. I've never seen any of the Voyager time travel Oh, episodes.
1: you're going to be so... We're in, new,
0: we're in all new Voyagers already. You're going to be so... I definitely have never seen this Seska episode.
1: I kind of wish we could skip all of them and just go straight to Voyager going back to 1996, because you are going to really enjoy it.
0: Oh, I bet I give it 50 points. <laughs> I bet it's a 50-point episode just for me. And I know that I'm only allowed to give 4
1: You'll find a way.
0: I'll give some... There'll be bonuses. The, bonuses all the over the execution
1: was so extremely good.
0: Oh, I did give it 13 for execution. <laughs> the take was only at 11. That's right. Um,
1: all right, so the winner then was... Uh...
0: All right, the winner is uh, is Aaron of Mercy. Yeah. This is TOS.
1: God, uh, another one.
0: That is uh, TOS's 12th win. Yeah. So... At this point, they have 12. Uh, TNG has 9. Oh boy,
1: they're starting to separate. Uh,
0: DS9 and Enterprise have 2 each. And Voyager has 1. Yeah. So, uh, TOS is, uh, is, pouring the, is putting on the gas, getting ahead of TNG. And we're in TNG Season 2. And that's not a strong season,
1: to it, me. It's not, I don't remember it as being a strong one. We, this I will mean, when you,
0: Where Silence Has Lease, Elementary, Dear oh, Data. Oh, Outrageous Okana, I have always liked. <laughs> Loud as a Whisper, The Schizoid Man, oh, Unnatural no. Selection. Uh, Matter of Honor is probably not too yeah. bad. Uh, Measure of a Man is going to be okay, but the Dauphin. Uh, Contagion, the Royale, oh, of course. Oh,
1: boy. Dude, the Royale is really hard to watch.
0: Time squared uh oh, Time Icarus squared factors. is
1: bonkers. Time squared is
0: <laughs> nuts. Time squared is is, is insane. It's a buck wild episode. Uh it has a yeah it's, that's that's a crazy crazy episode. Um Icarus factors oh, we might like or may man. not. We'll see. I like Pen it pals. for sure.
1: Pen pals is uh I got so much to say about that episode.
0: Q who Samaritan snare uh-huh. up the long ladder. Oh,
1: well, you know what? They're uh, not going to be good, but there's going to be a lot to talk about.
0: Manhunt, oh, The Emissary, man. Peak Performance, Ugh. and uh, Shades of Grey, of course. So uh, there's lots of room for TOS to accelerate away.
1: Yeah. They only have uh, to here. be like kind of decent.
0: Yeah, they're not like they're going to have a lot of weeks where a mediocre episode is is going to be a contender against a TNG episode. And it's so... obviously
1: based on the fact that we don't see any kind of vast improvement from DS9, Voyager, or Enterprise.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, DS Nine is where it would be coming from, right? They've—they're the only one on the upswing, yeah. and uh, DS Nine's not supposed to get good until season three. So, yeah. if that's the case, uh, TOS could be—you know—could have twenty wins by that point easily. So,
1: yeah. All right. What about next week? I, yeah. I kind of remember some of the teaser images from Netflix. Well, what do we got?
0: Uh, next week we are watching the alternative factor. What's that? Parallel universes? Lazarus? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Kirk may meet his on double. I don't remember if that happens in that one too. Uh, we're watching where silence has lease. That's Nagelum.
1: Worf gets so mad at those doors.
0: Uh, we're watching a Deep Space Nine episode called Necessary Evil.
1: Don't remember it.
0: Sounds like they want to make it about something. Yeah. Uh, we watching a Voyager episode called Resistance. Don't remember it. And uh, for Enterprise, we're watching an episode called Carbon Creek. And the teaser image for that is Three Dang old Vulcans. I remember
1: that one. Apologies in advance, everybody. Oh, good time to mention. This is the last Star Trek episode of 2017. Because I'm doing a big cross-country move and I'm not going to have time to watch five hours of fucking Star Trek every week. That's not That's not yep. happening. So uh, we might still do pods, but they they will be uh, mailbags and things like that until I'm sort of settled at the new crib.
0: Right. Yeah. Finding the time to pod will be easier than finding the time to prep for one of these big boys. Exactly.
1: So uh, Star Trek will return in 2018. I know everyone is very upset about that as they're hearing (laughs) it, but (coughs) um, I'll have to make do. Uh, But yeah, but I anticipate we can still pod next week or whatever just a regular-ass pod. Yeah,
0: so you'll have a long time to get your notes in for those five yeah, episodes. Yeah, Ben, where are not your notes, ben? ben? Not only will Ben have a chance to get caught up, but uh, boy, even boy, even if Ryan wanted to start playing, I'm sure he will have gotten to this Star Trek episode with enough time to watch all of those five. I can never tell uh, based
1: on the things he writes, and we'll get into it in the mailbag, but I can never tell how far behind he is. Sometimes it feels like he's it catching fluctuates. up, and then sometimes I feel like he's eight weeks behind. I can't figure it out. Yeah.
0: Uh, but that's what to watch if you're going to watch. Yeah. Uh, Twitter exists. At Brother Date. We'll do, a, we'll do a mailbag next week at Brother Date for that. Uh, iTunes. We have a website, it has the same stuff. Sure. Oh, you didn't know. Oh, no. <laughs> you better ask. Somebody! somebody.
1: That was a road dog Jesse James, everybody. I'm sorry, I don't know why I did that. I was excited to do it, though. But you prefer Ass Man? You think that's better? <laughs> I'm, I'm an Ass Man. Hi, <laughs> <ass man. laughs> right, everybody. It was, it uh, was fun. We will
0: we'll do our countdown of top wrestler entrance songs <laughs> from 1999 to 2001. Next
1: everybody, week. please send um, us your entrance. It's so. very important. Yeah. All right. Bye, bye, everybody.
0: Two positions are in a personal union under Spock. Or right, it has unified one. the belts. So ha- exactly. Yes. He's, <laughs> yes, that's right. I wasn't doing anything about monarchies. I was doing wrestling.